For more than a decade, Saturdays and Illegal Curve have been synonymous with one another. With insight, analysis, and interviews regarding the Winnipeg Jets, the Manitoba Moose, and all around the NHL, here are Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg, and your host, Drew Mandel. The Illegal Curve Hockey Show starts now. Happy anniversary to you. Us. Happy to us. anniversary to I see. Happy anniversary, dear illegal curve, including Drew, Ezra, and Dave. Happy anniversary to us. Us. There you go. That's the end of the show. I have Goodbye, never everybody. heard you hold a musical note like that before, Drew. That was nice. My dog just got upset. She just came into the room, wondered what the hell was going on, and just got upset. So we're off to a great start uh, this morning. Uh, good morning, everyone. Good morning, Manitoba. Good morning for all those joining us live this morning on our YouTube channel and all of our social media platforms. Just make sure I that you blow to... those candles out, Drew, because I don't want you to you know, light on fire here. You know, it's very difficult to uh, light candles into a piece of French toast. They, this is not stable, is what I can tell you. And and so I'm concerned about the future of this, and will it light my house on fire? So uh, while I did want to get a little bit of prop comedy in uh, so far, I thought I might want to blow these out at this point before any, it cause any more damage tonight. But you You've already had like six pieces of French toast this morning, so that's going to be number seven for you. Well, I don't think I'm going to eat it. Uh, like the candle wax is dripping into it. And I, I mean, I, I don't know where these candles are really from. I think they're pretty old. Maybe uh, they're from Brixton's 14th birthday. Uh, it's possible. Uh, I'm more thinking they're probably from my, you know, my kids. What first year, one year old birthday and four year old birthday is probably more likely. So hang on, let me just get rid of these before we cause any more damage. There we go. Hi, Ezzy. Can you believe it's been 14 years? Like, I was thinking about that. Like, obviously, like, you know, last year was 13. So it's not like it's that crazy, but it kind of is crazy. Like, when you just think of 2009 is a really long time ago, right? Like, that's before marriages and kids and the Jets being back in Winnipeg. Like, it's pretty crazy. But, yeah, it's going to be fun to celebrate today. It is going to be fun to celebrate. We'll have our usual uh, content of Jets talk as well as our usual content of nonsense because you wouldn't expect anything different. I hope everyone's had a good week. You know, we haven't seen you in like six days. That's like the longest time we've been apart in a really, really long time. So I hope everybody has been has had a good week so far, that you haven't had too much withdrawal from us, that you've been able to spend some time with your loved ones or maybe, you know, catch up on some, you know, TV viewing, whatever it might be. Maybe you've just been sitting in anticipation, waiting for the skills competition and the all-star game. If you are, I suggest that you should seek immediate help. That's not healthy. Um, because I don't know if you watched it last night, as I did. I, yeah, I I really wasn't expecting to watch much of it, but my kids sort of were interested for three and a half minutes, which is longer than I expected them to be. And they said, "What is this? Why am I watching this? This is awful." Which is, and we're not going to delve deep into the All Star Skills Competition or the All Star Game because I actually thought, you know, let, yeah, let's get into it for a little bit. Obviously, it's going to be mainly Jets focused here, yeah. but. You know, if it's in Florida, why not have fun with it? Like, that's my whole thing, right? Like, 
the all-star game itself, nobody really watches it. Or if you're going to watch it, you're not going to watch the whole thing because the score doesn't really matter. No. I mean, nobody's really trying that hard, right? There's some nice goals and a few nice saves, but really the skills competition, similar to the NBA, right? We talk about this every year, right? Like most people want to watch, you know, the dunk competition, the shooting, everything like that. I liked, you know what, the splash shot, like it's fun. It's ridiculous. Don't get me wrong, Drew, like watching Kale McCarr pick off surfboards is is ridiculous. And then watching watching Sidney Crosby fun. get dunked. It was that's what I'm saying. So like yeah. to me like yeah, it's it's some of it is is ridiculous. Like the Chipotle pitch and putt or pitch and puck or whatever it is. Like Nick Suzuki won it. Okay, great. It's ridiculous, but at least the NHL went a little bit outside of the box and and I like that, right? Like Josh Morrissey you know, he was clocked at 96.7 miles per hour. Elias Pettersson obviously won it with 103 miles per hour. But, you know, Morrissey, uh, Hellebuck won the uh, goalie tandem event with UC Soros. So Jets fans could enjoy that. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, Drew, I mean, this is, it's a fan, it's a fan event. It's for kids. It's for, it's a TV event, right? Well, you know, so the one, the events that they did on the beach, the golf one or the surfboard one, those were at least unique and a little bit, you know, outside the box. The ones that were in the arena, like that Tendi tandem, if like you need to have a PhD to understand the rules of that event. I like, you know, Stuart Skinner is throwing pucks the length of the ice, Hellebuck's in net. I assumed they were on the same team, but apparently they weren't on the same team. You know, Hellbuck was on a team with UC Soros, and I don't know where UC Soros was. It was just like, if it's if you need to explain it, like, really in depth, it's like a joke. If you need to explain the joke, it's not going to be funny. Well, exactly, Drew. And also, why, why not just go back to the, the breakaway challenge, right? Like, everybody likes to see the creative moves that, that happen on breakaways. And you saw that, obviously. But, like, just keep it that traditional breakaway challenge. I agree with you. The goalie event was a little bit confusing. But yeah. for me, you know, fastest skater, accuracy, you know. Uh, it doesn't need Brock, It's nice for Brock Nelson, I thought. Because Brock Nelson's I've always thought, has been, like, underrated. Um, you know, former UND standout, right? So he wins the accuracy. Connor McDavid, you know, was shining in that event as well, right? So, yeah, some of the events were not Hang on. the best breaking events. News. Breaking news, I just got an email from NHL PR. The truly hard seltzer NHL All-Star Beach Festival has been delayed. It, the next update is going to come at 12.30 p.m. Eastern. So if you were planning on, he on, on, on heading to uh, Miami for the Truly Hard Seltzer NHL All-Star Beach Festival, it has been delayed. Please do not panic. There will be a further update to come at 12.30 p.m. Eastern time. I'm not sure if we're going to be covering that live on IllegalCurve.com or not. But just so you know, do not panic. That is what's happening right now in, in South Florida. I don't think we have to worry about that, Drew. The only place we're going is Miami Beach, Manitoba, or maybe That's South right. Beach Casino. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, look, at, I, I I think it's been a lot of fun. And this is about, you know, showcasing hockey to well, non-traditional audiences, right? That Mitch, that Mitch Marner Miami Vice intro was cringeworthy. I mean, that I didn't was, see that because oh obviously, God. you know, the, the skills competition started at six. So that's right around when I'm doing daddy duty. So yeah. I didn't see that, but I'll, was, I'll take your word for I, it. I was like, I felt bad for Mitch Marner because I mean, he's trying to, be, I'm sure he's just trying to be a good sport and he's trying to, you know, do his part, but just hire some better writers. That's all you got to do. NHL hire some better writers. I don't know what intern they dra they dragged out of a closet to come up with this, with this thing. First of all, Miami vice was 
literally 35 years ago, I think. So Mitch Marner has probably never seen an episode of Miami Vice. Nobody under the age of 30 has heard of Miami Vice. Nobody has any clue what Miami Vice is. Other things have happened in South Florida since then. Find something that's just a little bit more unique, a little bit more relevant. to Like CSI Miami. Sure. Get David Caruso to do the stupid sunglasses thing. I think we have a murder whatever it doesn't matter i promise never to do that again that's pretty good by the way actually i creep myself out with that but whatever it might be fine just hire writers they work for pretty affordable rates i know you're the nhl and you're cheap as uh, as can be but try and find somebody who can write something a little bit better than any of that because you know uh mitch marner doing some sort of weird miami vice and then coming in on a breakaway on the Roberto Luongo, but not trying. It was just odd. It was odd. It was an awkward. It was poorly done. It was the, I mean, and then the, and then of course, and I, I feel sorry for the broadcasters, you know, the, you know, who are, you know, trying to chuckle along with this as if it's the most wonderfully entertaining thing they've ever seen. It's like watching a bad wrestling segment and the announcers are fake laughing their way through it. It's like, ugh, just, just get on with the actual activities and everyone else will be better off for it. And we hopefully never have to talk about this again because it was getting a little awkward there for a, for a long time. And it's a long event. Holy moly, it just kept going and going and going and going. It's like, end it. We're done with this. We're ending it. We're ending the segment. We're done talking about the All-Star game. That's enough of that because any more than that, it, it makes it unworthy. Ezzy, good morning. Nice to see you. Let's talk about the Winnipeg Jets. 30 games to go in the regular season when they come back next Saturday to face the Chicago Blackhawks. 30 games. At that really go. normal 9 o'clock start time. Totally normal. Nine totally o'clock. normal to start a home game at nine o'clock at night. <laughs> I like it. I don't have any objection with it. I think it's going to be a, a bit of a rowdy crowd. I would hope. Uh, and aren't course, you out of town for that game? Yeah, I have. I, it's, yes, but I still. That's like why the you idea. like it, Drew. I, I don't have a problem with. it. I like the idea of it. I've been advocating for at least one a year that they should do. You know, it's you know not every game has to be. You know, they can do some games where they're not necessarily focused on. Uh, they're throwing a bone to the drunken population that might attend a hockey game. Why not start I mean, a game they, at ten thirty at night, Drew? Why not ten thirty? What about eleven? Sure, why Midnight. not? Let's have, sure, why not? Let's have some fun with it. What the hell? Where's this guy coming in from? This wasn't part of the show plan. I, there was a show plan? I don't know. Is there? I don't know. We just I've, I've been wondering where the hell you've been for the last 12 minutes. Where in the world is Dave Manuk? He's somewhere, all right. He's, he's somewhere where he can be walking outside. That's Let's put it that way. What time is it where you are, Mr. Manuk? 7 o'clock in the morning. 7 a.m. Dave's going to, uh, Dave is venturing out bright and early in some warmer climate, clearly, uh, all to join us here on the 14th anniversary show. Dave, you missed uh, an intro for uh, for the decades uh, okay. that we're not going to recreate. You can watch it on the on the replay, but uh, sure. nice of you to be able to join us this morning anyways. Yeah, the birds are chirping, the sun is, uh, sun is bright, but uh, happy to be able to join the boys for a 14th anniversary show. Let me now. Are you joining us for the next hour and 47 minutes, or are you joining us for like the next 47 seconds just so we can? This is more, this, this is more of a five, 10 minute pop on. Uh, okay, just a quick, a quick hello. Nice to see you gracing yeah, us pulling, with, I'm with pulling, your presence. I'm pulling, I'm pulling a Kenny Weeb walking through Denver sort of thing, doing the show kind of thing. You know? It's quite the virtual background that you have, Dave. Yeah, you know, it's and it's actually cool. It's one of those virtual backgrounds that allows you to move, so it actually gives the appearance that I'm walking. So are we going to reveal your secret uh, location right now, or are we going to keep it a mystery? 
I, I think it'll become apparent when somebody hands out one of those cards to Dave uh, as he's walking they down the do, strip. Apparently, they don't, well, well, Drew, you just revealed it, but apparently, it wasn't a real anymore. state secret here, Dave. <laughs> It's really going to be given away when Drew wa Dave walks into a strip club. Yeah, Spearman <laughs> Rhino has a great breakfast yeah. buffet. Uh, yeah. Here, by the way, I want everyone. To, well, no, we can't because Bailey the intern might be in the show, and I can't. We can't expose her to that sort of thing. Bailey, Bailey is there, so uh, so behave yourself. Whatever you were going to say. Yeah. Anyways, how are you guys doing? We're doing great. We were talking about the uh, happy anniversary NHL skills competition. I'm sure you didn't watch a second of it. I was, let's put it this way: I was watching more of the Moose and Admirals game in Milwaukee than I was of the. Uh, Skills competition. Uh, that's still concerning that you're in Vegas and you're watching the Moose and the Admirals. Well, I mean, but, uh, I wasn't the entire time, but I'm saying I was more likely to watch the Moose Admirals game, which coincidentally turned on for two minutes, and uh, they just happened to score a goal. So that was about it. Okay, well, fair enough. Yeah, Dave, people want to know, by the way, if the Chinese spy balloon is above you. Well, I, I'm in the Conrad, which I believe is owned is an Asian-themed uh, uh, hotel, so it's possible that. No, it is. It, I don't know. It was actually over Western Kentucky last night, over Paducah, Kentucky, is my understanding. And of course, my close ties to Kentucky uh, make it so that I'm aware of these sort of things. But uh, yes, that's apparently yeah, yeah. where the balloon was. And that there's a second balloon somewhere over Latin America as well. Is this, just like, the, is this just like the Remax like balloon? Is that is that what this is? Just, just the no. newer version of that? No, I don't think it's really a hot sure. air why, balloon. Why are, we supposed to, why are we supposed to care about a balloon when there's literally like bazillion satellites that are doing the exact same thing? Or the fact that everybody that's got TikTok on their phone is just willingly handing over the same information without yeah. needing a balloon, basically. You know, so I mean, I'm not entirely certain what, what's going on with that. Well, let hey, us know if you see the balloon, Dave. I'll keep my eyes peeled, boys. Well, he's going to walk past Paris. Doesn't Paris have the big balloon uh, outside of it? Forget Paris, Drew. <laughs> that was clever, Dave. That was well done. In any event, Dave M. is, of course, not actually, with I'm us actually, this morning. Well, I will be walking into the tattoo parlor to get an IC tattoo uh, right here. Okay. I, live we, on air. Can we do that live on air? Anniversary show. Uh, well, if I believe in tattoos, then maybe, but I'm not a tattooer. Dave, have you run into Chumley? I have not run into Chumley. <laughs> Who's Chumley? Pawn Stars. Oh, Pawn Stars. I, have, I haven't seen an episode of Pawn Stars in, in, in many a year, Ezzy, so uh, I, that's, that's a good job I, I think pulling that one out. I think it's appropriate that I've completely derailed the show. The show has been it, off the rails from the get-go. So yeah, it's, Dave, it's, it's, it hasn't been on the rail yet. So I was actually oh. trying to get it back on the rail, but now I'm not really Man, sure what in. to do with you because you're here, but you're not really going to be in a place to talk about the Jets. So I'm like, well, I'm I mean, why bit... am I not in a place? What, what, how am I not in a place to talk about the Jets? Well, I just didn't really think you were going to join us for a call. Like I was about to ask Ezzy, you know, what did the who did the Jets need more from over the final thirty games of the season as Again, a way to sort of? I don't know that, anything. That's what I'm saying. I mean, you're currently wandering through the streets of Vegas at seven in the morning. You're more likely. Yeah, Dave's, Dave's figuring out which hotel he's going to walk into right now and and drop some money. He doesn't have time there, to talk about the Jets. There's Encore, Palazzo. I might go see Trump. We'll see. So there's enough time. That's a good. Uh, is he is he there? No, but his hotel's like right here. Oh, okay. Fair Anyways. Enough. So well, thanks you know, for joining I mean, us. <laughs> all right, yeah, it's been a good run. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. 14 years, boys. Time flies like that. Feels like just yesterday. Red River Radio. And Dave, you've I been can't... on the show for all 14 years as well. Yeah, well, hasn't missed an episode in yeah. 14 years. Richie did well, never gonna, never existed. I was gonna say technically I have not been on since for 14 years. So of course I used to join periodically in the Red River days when one of you boys couldn't make it, and then the TSN 1290 days when someone couldn't make it. I was always a good 
I was a fill-in, you know, kind of when Kramer had to be a fill-in for the seats. At yes. the, was it the Emmys or the Oscars? I thought it was Star the Tonys. Still, Wasn't it the Tonys? Oh, it was the Tonys, yeah. The Scarsdale Surprise. That's right. So so the reality is that, you know, I was a, I was a good seat filler. Then five, six years ago when Rich decided to go in a different direction, I said, hey, why not? I'll join you boys. And Dave, where's Carrot thing. Top right now? Where's what? Where's Carrot Top? That's a good question, actually. I don't know. I can see the mountains though. If anybody wants to see mountains, then I'll show you guys. And then are you gonna then go? To, are you gonna go to the Red Rocks? Uh, yeah, probably tomorrow. It's a good hike. Yeah, I know. I've done it before. It's awesome. That's yeah. Valley Fire. Oh, I'll just give everyone as you can see. There's Trump's Hotel, by the way. And in the background, there's the mountains. That's beautiful. Not something, we, not something we see in the prairies, but anyways. There you go. That's my walking tour of Vegas. Joining the boys, welcoming everyone, thanking everyone for all. Dave's the gonna go to the hospital for now. fourteen years. <laughs> Yeah, I honestly awesome. thought he was just going to walk into traffic at some point in time, just get pancaked like Kenny uh, uh, when he joined us from Denver the, uh, last year. Oh, yeah, Kenny, he did almost get hit by a bus, didn't he? <laughs> I might actually, that. you know, there's actually, hold on, I'm right across the street from the $10 everything or less uh, store, so I got to go pick out some presents for you guys. $10 are you going to spend on us? I'm, I'm flattered. You know, no, we no, have dollars. Drew, 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 or less. Well, I mean, you know, we have dollar stores in Winnipeg uh, that, that you could uh, you yeah, get up is, instead. Well, hey, Drew, I, when I went to 7-Eleven to pick up a cherry Pepsi, as he knows what I'm talking about, so do you, actually. But the point is that they have Yes, I understand fancy, your words. Yeah, fancy new Twix bars. I mean, America is America, Drew. So who knows what the, who knows what their dollar stores or their fancy $10 or less stores have in their uh, in their, in their their stock? Because, like I said, I was I went into 7-Eleven. They had Twix, cookie dough Twix. It's a whole new, it's a whole new world. So Dave's coming back with diabetes at the very least, if assuming he oh, yeah. makes it back. Yeah, exactly. So there we go. Dave, I'm okay. checking in for, for Vegas, boys. <laughs> there he goes, our roving correspondent, Dave Manouk, joining us from Vegas. Uh, enjoy your time. Be well. Thank you, boys. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll I love you, you Dave. Later. Happy anniversary. You As he's at your love house, you I don't know if you knew that. That's fine. He's got a key. Okay. He's got access. He's got... Hopefully, Not he's true. my bed. I'm at my mother-in-law's house. <laughs> okay, <laughs> thanks, boys. Thanks, everyone in the chat, for supporting us. We appreciate it. Bye, Have a good time, Dave. Okay, see, see ya. Bye. There he goes, Dave Manouk, joining us from Vegas, where he's uh, taking in some of the sights and sounds and the nice it's weather. Seven twenty in the morning there. He's Dave's Dave's a night owl. I mean, you know, you know how he is. As he likes to, he likes to do his thing uh, late at night and early in the morning, and wouldn't dare miss a show or anything. He's still listening to us. I can see it. Nobody else can see it, but I can see it behind, uh, behind the the scenes here. He's still listening and watching us. So bring him back really in weird. there. Well, no, I'm not really sure what he's doing. He's just staring at me. It's really kind of creepy at this point in time. Ezzy, let's get back to the Jets because you good folks have been waiting here for 20 minutes as we ramble inanely more than we normally do. You know. So the question, as I asked, who do the Jets need more from in your perspective over the final 30 games of the season? They start Saturday. There's 30 games to go. We know where they are, you know, in, in the standings, their second spot in the central division, you know, Minnesota's seven points behind them with four games in hand, mind you, uh, the stars are a point ahead of them. They have a game in hand. Who on the Jets do you need to see more from over the final 30 games? It's a good question. I mean, you know, not one, there isn't one individual player. I think that immediately pops in mind. There are some obvious ones. I mean, if you're talking about, you know, needing more offense, I mean, a guy like Adam Lowry is currently in a, what is it? 23, 24 game yeah, goal of streak, but Lowry has been fantastic all year, right? Like he plays in all situations. He's been in a lot of face-offs. He's already got seven goals this year. 
but so that's one that you could easily pick to. But for me, like if you're if you're singling out just one player for me, it's got to be Neil Pionk. And we mm-hmm. talked about it last week with Kenny Weeb. Like Pionk might be dealing with something. It's possible it's lower body, but like you know, as a top four defenseman on this team, and you know, I think the second best right shot defenseman on the team. I mean, Dylan DeMello to me is the best defensive defenseman on this team, along with Josh Morrissey. But you know, Pionk has struggled at times this year. And again, I'm not saying that he's having a bad year or horrible year or anything like that, because I think, you know, he's had his fair share of, of really solid games. You remember the, you know, goals that he was scoring earlier in the season. Yeah. But like, I think, you know, we've talked about this a lot. I think everybody knows that what the Jets need is a top six slash top nine winger and a top four defenseman, preferably, I think, on on the right side, right? Mm-hmm. But when you're talking about Neil Pionk, I mean, you go back a couple of years ago, like he was clearly the Jets' best defenseman, putting up career highs and points and everything like that. So, th- I mean, but you could then, you know, go down to the third and fourth lines right now. And you could say, you know, the Jets need more offense out of Morgan Barron, right? Who I think has played very well for the most part this season uh, on the yeah. line with Adam Lowry. There have been a lot of different players, right? You currently have Carson Kuhlman there, but you've had... You know, Sam Gagne there, you've had Axel Janssen Fialbi there, you've had Saku Manalainen. So if I wasn't picking individual players, Drew, I would say the top the bottom six as a whole, right? Like sure. Sam Gagne has been found money, right? Like what a great signing for under a million dollars. But Gagne's been a healthy scratch oftentimes this season, right? Like I I prefer mm-hmm. personally, you know, Sam Gagne or Carson Kuhlman over Saku Manalainen. I just think Manalainen doesn't give you enough offensively. Sure, he can kill penalties. I really like Kevin Stenlin on that fourth line. I'm not sure what you do once the Gus bus is back. Like, does Stenlin mm-hmm. say at center and then Gustafson's a, a winger? Like, if your fourth line is Axel Janssen, Fialbi, Kevin Stenlin, David Gustafson, or some combination of, you know, let's say Carson Kuhlman, David Gustafson, Kevin Stenlin, whatever it is, I have no problem with that. But I think right now there's clearly a hole on the, the right wing. Timo Meyer is a guy that. We're now hearing the New Jersey Devils, the New York Rangers are after him. I just think that the price might be a little bit too high for Timo Meyer, regardless of what happens with that big contract, right? Because you have to qualify him at, at $10 million. But I, I would have no problem, you know, with the Jets acquiring, whether it's a Jonathan Taves. I've mentioned Sean Monahan before. Sure. But a, a big shutdown defenseman is just as important for me as a top six or, or top nine forward. But getting back well, to what you said, yeah. So I hang mean, on, hang on, hang on. You mentioned that. So does that mean you think the Jets should be more heavily involved in the, in the Gavrikov? Uh, you know, be more interested in him out of Columbus? You know, he's a guy that there were, you know, that the Jets were maybe, I don't know, what, I don't want to say linked to, but maybe interested in last year at the trade deadline, if you remember. And I mean, this is a guy who's not going to bring much on the offensive side of things. He's a defensive defenseman first and foremost. But do you think that maybe that he's a guy that the Jets are, are, are would be kicking the tire. I mean, I, you know, kicking the tires is such a meaningless phrase, and I apologize for using it because every team is always kicking I don't mind the it. tires. It, yeah, but every team is kicking the tires on all the players, I mean, sure. for the most part. But do you think there's maybe the Jets would have more heightened interest in him or have a, have a, a more legitimate interest than just a passing fancy in him? Yeah, I do, Drew. But, you know, you hear from Daily Faceoff, Frank Saravalli, mm-hmm. like you hear that the Leafs are very interested in Gavrikov. You hear that the Oilers are very interested in Gavrikov. Jacob Chikrin is another guy whose name is out there, but I don't know, like, if the asking price is a first-round pick, which for the Jets will obviously not be a high pick, but if it's a first-round pick and it's, let's let's say, Vili Hainala and plus another player, like, would you give that up for Jacob Chikrin? Like, I don't know if the Jets... 
because he's got some term, I might. You know, for a guy who's got some term, yes. I mean, for a guy, I mean, look, you can past, you know, past actions often is an indicator of what future action is going to be. Look what the Jets gave up for uh, Paul Stasny. That's, you know, look, look at Paul Stasny back in the day. So it was a first round pick that was, a, you know, turned out to be what? Uh, in the 20s, late 20s, because the Jets went on the run. And it was Eric Foley. And Eric Foley was a prospect, but I don't think he was uh, at the top of anyone's list as a top prospect for the Jets at that point in time. So it looks like if Chevy, Kevin Sheveldayoff is interested in giving, uh, is interested in trading a first round pick, it's not necessarily, you know, for a rental, it's not going to be a first and a A prospect for a rental. It's going to be first and a B, B plus C plus prospect well, for a rental, right? And and daily fa- our friends at Daily Faceoff, what they said was that the asking price for Gavrikov would be sil- similar for David Savard. So you'd be talking about something like a first round uh, draft pick and a third round draft pick, right? Or like you said, Drew, you'd be talking about a first round pick and a, a B or C prospect, right? So the asking price for Gavrikov would be a lot lower than the asking price for a guy like Jacob Chikrin. You know, could the Jets, you know, swing, uh, you know, for the fences and go after a Matias Ekholm? The only problem is the Predators are, you know, still on the bubble for a playoff spot. Like, I think it's going to be really tough for them to make it. But, but I have no idea. I just, I have no idea if Ekholm is even an option, right? You just hear rumors. It's all speculation, right? So right. Ekholm, Gavrikov. I mean, Luke Shen is a guy to me that, you know, at best he's a third pairing defenseman. He's like a number six, number seven defenseman. All due respect to Luke Shen, right? He's had a good career. He's a big physical defenseman. But I just don't know if that moves the needle. Like, you have to look at this like, you know, you're going to be competing with other teams for these players, like you said earlier, right? So you're talking about the Vegas Golden Knights. You're talking about the Dallas Stars, the Colorado Avalanche, the top teams in the Western Conference. We mentioned the Oilers, who have been playing very well lately, I believe, they're either third in the division or in a wild card spot right now, but they're, they're clearly right. So, I mean, the Oilers are going to be buyers, right? Like yeah. when you have McDavid and Dreisaitl, the way they're playing this year. And, and they're getting goaltending from, you know, whether or not Stu Skinner is going to do it, you know, and, and Jack Hamill are going to do it in the playoffs. They're getting goaltending. I mean, they're, the Oilers are three points uh, behind Los Angeles, pardon me, behind Seattle and, and Los Angeles, but they have three games in hand on the Kings. So they're right in the thick of the top of the Pacific Division. And we all know what they need. I mean, they need defensemen, right? They, mm-hmm. they need a, a top four defenseman. So uh, Chikrin's name is out there. Uh, Gavrikov's name is out there. I mean, we know we all know the names that are on the the trade bait board, right? So, but going back to your question, Drew, I mean, like there have been some obviously you know career years for the Jets this year, um, and they've had trouble scoring goals this year. So, I mean, like the you know Blake Wheeler can be providing more offense, right? Like you could be getting you know Pierre Luc Dubois' goal scoring has dried up a little bit, not that much, but just a little bit, right? So you you need more goal scoring. And obviously, you know Cole Perfetti is playing his best hockey. Of, of the year and you know he, he was dealing with you know a little bit of a slump there right so I, I look at I mean I, I there isn't one or two guy obvious guys that that stand out because the team you know this stretch this last eight or nine games mm-hmm. I mean, look at it you can even go back you know I put this on Twitter the first 32 games of the season they were something like 21 10 and, and 1 21 10 and 1 and then their last 21 they've been one game over 500 something yeah. like 11 and, and 10, eight, 11 and nine, something like yeah, that. 11, yeah. nine and one, I believe. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's just barely above 500. So, mm-hmm. you know, a quarter of the season here, the jets have been just treading water, right? Like maintaining second in the central. We've talked about it, right? The avalanche are six points back with three games in hand. 
Like it wasn't too long ago, the Avalanche were like 13 or 14 points behind the Jets. So eight, um, eight points back now with four games in hand. But your point is is is, is well taken on that one. Yeah, I mean, the Avalanche, I wouldn't be surprised if the Avalanche win the Central Division. Would you, Drew? No, no, not in the least bit. Everyone's been waiting for that push. And no, you you know, to expect them to not break into that top three or not to continue pushing would be uh, a little surprising. Of course, if Kale McCarr keeps wiping out as he's uh, participating in fastest skater competitions, you know that every Avalanche fan and the entire team sort of held their breath when that happened. Uh, let's head to break, Ezzy. When we come back, Mike McIntyre of the Winnipeg Free Press is going to join us. 14th anniversary show of the illegal of Illegal Curve. Don't go anywhere. We're live on this Saturday morning. Bottom of the hour, we welcome to the program our good friend from the Winnipeg Free Press, Mike McIntyre, joins us on the show celebrating 14 years we are here on Illegal Curve. Mike, Gary Bettman just celebrated 30 years, and you called for the end of his tenure. What are you going to do to us for celebrating 14 years? Well, it means you guys got 16 more years. <laughs> God help us all. Yeah, so I've got that uh, I've got that column in the back pocket, uh, which I guess 2039, I guess, all right, calling yeah. for the end of, of illegal. Guys, I must have missed the memo, though. I, I'm a little worried. Are we not missing someone here today? He's he's he went away for his for our anniversary. His, his he decided to leave. Gotcha. Uh, so he's uh, in, enjoying some sunnier weather. Uh, well, he did join us. He 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 joined us as he was walking into a local shop in on the strip in Vegas about oh, uh, very nice uh, twenty minutes ago. So he's uh, he's with us in spirit. If he's not with us in in physical presence, I assumed he just found like a, a fire pit somewhere that he was going to go uh, hang around. You know, guys, I was looking what the traditional fourteenth anniversary <laughs> gift is. And it's a little controversial. I don't know if you know this, but oh, ivory, oh. ivory was traditionally the 14th anniversary, 14th wedding anniversary gift. Now, of course, ivory, there's a lot of bad connotations with that. Um, so apparently, instead of ivory now, just elephants, or at least the 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 premise of an elephant has become the traditional 14th gift. So I don't have an elephant for you, but I'm happy to talk about the elephant in the room. If, oh, uh, if, very nice. If there is one. I have the well, White uh, Stripes album elephant, Mike. Oh, well, I, I guess I could have got you that. You probably have it already, though, Ezzy. I know you're a big fan. I am, but yeah, that's. it's funny that there actually is, like, you can actually Google that, and there's something that you're supposed to get your significant other right. for 14, right? Because it's obviously, like, it's it's pretty meaningless. It's not a multiple of five, which is the, the next one is the big one, but... Yeah, we'll take sure. a stuffed elephant or something like that. I was hoping like newsprint or something would have been the for, and then I could have just got you a, a copy of the free press, but uh, no such I, luck. I, I already got my copy of the oh, free okay. press upstairs. You don't need to, and I'm not even going to re-gift it. I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to I'm going to reuse it, so that you don't need to worry about that. Are you going to use it like to line a, an animal's cage, or no, no, no? Oh. We 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 are going to read it thoroughly, like we do every Saturday morning. Uh, my wife and I subscribe to the free press every Saturday, and of course, read it online during the week. Uh, and then oftentimes, what we will, I mean, I'm not going to say it's not going to meet an untimely end but it, it might meet an untimely end in our fire pit later on this summer when we need need a little bit of extra kindling to get the the, the blaze uh, the blaze going but we will read it top to bottom first and we will do and when we when it does meet the fire pit we'll do so with uh with sorrow in our heart undoubtedly and and expect a dave manuk uh twitter picture i'm sure naturally i mean he you know we have the dog that he can borrow and he brings sushi <laughs> over on his own so yes exactly as Excellent. long as there's a fire pick a dog pick and a dave pick and a sushi pick we're all good 
Uh, Mike, who obviously brought you on to talk not about our usual nonsense, but about the Winnipeg Jets and about some of your recent columns. And I asked Ezzy uh, this question before we brought you on. You know, 30 games to go, 30 regular season games to go. You know, and there's been all the talk about, you know, Neil Pionk and his struggles over the last little while. You know, from your perspective, you know, if there was one player, maybe it is Neil Pionk, if there's one player that the Jets need more from over the final 30 games, who is that one player? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it, it's funny. We talk about Neil Pionk. If you talk about more from him, like the guy's already set a career high for goals. Um, and, you know, he did that basically at the midway point of the season. But, of course, there's a lot more to playing defense than scoring goals, although the Jets have done that, you know, almost better than any team. Rick Bonus made mm -hmm. offense from the defense. Yeah. A priority and and they sure have and and that's been you know a big part of what the Jets have done this year is the way they've integrated their defensemen and to a degree Neil Pionk you know we obviously deservedly so talk about Josh Morrissey but Neil Pionk he's added some offense from from the blue line the problem is his play in his own end has really struggled at times and I think in a year where we would probably all agree that the Jets have cleaned up their act in a lot of ways compared to, say, a year ago, um, you know, and and certain players that maybe struggled at times last year, Brendan Dillon, for example, I think he's been a lot a lot better in his own end. Even Josh Morrissey has been better in his own end, clearly. But Neil Pionk has really struggled with his puck management and some of the decisions he's made. And, you know, it's led to speculation he's injured. Um, for what it's worth, and 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 I say this, take it with a grain of salt. He says he's he's okay. Mm -hmm. um, I I don't really believe that, but obviously the coaching staff, if he is battling an injury, they don't believe it's one that that prevents him from being in the lineup. Um, but it is telling that you know just before the break, I actually asked Rick Bonus about Neil Pionk's play, and he didn't exactly give the defenseman a a ringing endorsement. He admitted they need a lot more. Uh, and it's funny, guys, I go back to when we sat down um, about a month ago with Kevin Shoveldayoff in Buffalo for his kind of mid-season chit-chat. And, you know, he talked about how we have a lot of players on this team having career years or near career years. And then he said, but we do have some that, you know, we need more from. And of course, Kevin Shoveldayoff wasn't naming names, but the take, <laughs> when I left that chat, I thought, well, he's talking about Neil Pionk. So for sure. I mean, I know there's a lot of people would just like to see Neil Pionk as a trade chip going the other way. I don't know if Kevin Shoveldayoff is, is wanting to delete from this roster. I think if he wants to reward this roster for its good play, He's looking to make ads without making deletions. But then again, if there's some money issues that have to be managed, I mean, I guess never say never. It's just I wouldn't hold my breath expecting Neil Pionk to be shipped out of town anytime soon. But what the Jets do need agreed is, is more from Neil Pionk. And I think he'd be at the top of the list. You know, another guy who was certainly off to a tremendous start this year, um, but has really gone cool on the offensive side is Adam Lowry. But I don't Absolutely. think anybody would say, well, you need, I mean, Adam Lowry's not in the lineup to score goals. And, but, you know, it would be nice, I guess, to, to get a little more, you know, kind of what we saw in the first part of the season from a guy like Lowry, you know, with that additional depth scoring that the Jets have had quite a bit of this year. 
And, you know, to, to further to your point, those are both both the guys I mentioned, by the way, Mike. So, you know, brilliant oh. minds, brilliant minds yeah. think alike, as you know, right? But the, or, and, and the or, or be with, very, very afraid, Mike. That's the all that's the that's yeah. the flip side to that. Be very, very afraid. But, you know, when you're talking about Lowry, Mike, and you may disagree with this, but like he seemed like the way he plays, right? We know Rick Bonus's system is much more up tempo, much more demanding on the players. Like he seemed like a guy to me, especially the last couple of weeks leading up until this break. Like he need, he needs a rest, right? With all the big minutes he plays on the yeah, PK, sure. and you know he can drop the mitts. You know he plays a physical style, so I, I agree with you, and I, I expect the goals to come. Like 23, 24 games without a goal. I mean, I, I think it's a little bit absurd at this point. You know he's going to score eventually, and he has been getting opportunities. So I agree with both of those guys. Yeah, and I mean, again, Adam Lowry's contributions are unquestionably solid in a lot of areas. The penalty kill obviously is is reinvigorated for the Jets and Adam Lowry is a big part of that. Um, but you're right. As he like, look at the way the Jets have scored so many goals this year. They're scoring Adam Lowry type goals, not the dazzling highlight reel, but the dirty areas go to the net, you know, tips, deflections, rebounds like Adam Lowry specialties. But I think one, one thing we've seen with the Jets guys and it, you know, when they got this infusion of talent back, uh, in early January, like when all the hell, uh, the all the injured guys came back, the Jets at times have gotten away from that meat and potatoes style, and they've tried to skill it up too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, now Adam Lowry's not guilty of that, of course, but you know certain other players certainly have been guilty of overpassing and trying to get too cute, and you know I think that that ties in with why the Jets kind of struggled into the all-star break the way they did because they got away from the blueprint that worked. And so I agree. I mean, the, the break was good for Adam Lowry. I think the break was just good for everybody. They all needed a reset and, you know, they come back uh, next weekend and I expect the Jets to, to put a real focus on getting back to, you know, what got them here, if you will, for these last 30. And Mike, we want to get into your article that you call them today, 12 ways to improve the NHL. I agree with all of them, except for one. The, we're, we're going to get into the kicking the puck into the net. That's the one, the one I, I wasn't in agreement with, but we will let you defend yourself here. But yes, you know, we were obviously there's almost exactly a month, I think a month less a day before the NHL trade deadline. I mean, everyone across the hockey world is, is focused on that. I'm at my mother-in-law's and the doorbell's ringing and I see Poulin's exterminators here. So I might have to leave momentarily, <laughs> Mike. So I'll, uh, I'll, I'll ask you, I'll ask you a question and then uh, I'll just go talk to the Poulin's exterminators guy. Um, I know that my mother-in-law's this had some nice in op- house here. This is a hell of so. an operation we're running here. As you go do what you need to do. No, Mike I, I, I want to get my question out, but Mike, you know, with the trade deadline coming up, I mean, you know, you've heard names like Timo Meyer. you had your column about, you know, Jonathan Taves, yeah. you know, Vladislav Gabrikov is another guy out there, Luke Shen, Sean Monaghan. Like, is there is there one player right now that stands out to you that, you know, the Jets are going to want to acquire? Or do you think we might see a, a repeat of 2018 and there might be a guy that, you know, nobody expected coming? Obviously, you know, I'm referring to Paul Stastny. Now I'm going to go talk to the Poulin's <laughs> Exterminators guy and then I will be right back, boys. See if you can sign him up as a sponsor. I'm pretty sure he's coming to exterminate Ezzy from his mother-in-law's house. Well, I was going to say, like, happening. I've heard of some, you know, rocky relationships between mother-in-laws and, but you know, for her to call the exterminator just because he's over today, <laughs> my goodness, that seems like labor, that, really, though. Right, um, Ezzy is is uh, is a bit of a rat, I guess. Uh, 
So, you know, on the question of, for sure, there's a lot of names out there. And look, nothing would surprise me with Kevin Chevaldeoff if there isn't a, an off-the-radar guy nobody's talking about. I think one thing, right. if you're the Jets, um, you know, there's two categories. There's obviously the pure rental category, and and we've seen the Jets go that route before. But I think, you know, given the the uncertainty that, that Winnipeg has with several core players, mm-hmm. you know, Shifley, Dubois, Hellebuck, Wheeler obviously is also a UFA. I mean, if they could find, and this is why a guy like Meyer is so intriguing, right? If right. if they could add a guy who helps immediately, but also that they could lock up or, you know, or, or get under contract long-term mm-hmm. almost as an insurance policy against maybe losing one of those other guys. I think that becomes a really intriguing move as well. I, I guess I just don't know if is are they doing that move by the trade deadline? Is that something more for the summer when they get maybe a little more clarity? And again, these are questions I don't know the answers to. I can't tell you today that the Jets have any clarity on what's going to happen with Dubois, Shifley, and or Hellebuck. I'm sure they'd love some direction from those guys because at least by the summer, they're really going to have to make some decisions based on what is or isn't happening with those guys. But yeah, I mean, you know, I've seen a few other names thrown out there. Max Domi's an interesting name. Um, he's a guy the Jets have long liked, or Kevin yeah. Shoveldayoff has long liked Max Domi. They were supposed, they were allegedly, they were going to be drafting him until they got yeah. uh, they got swooped by, who was it? I guess it was Arizona, right? Back it was. Uh, he's bounced around a bunch since then, but he was supposed to go to the Jets if Arizona didn't take him. Morrissey's they- worked out quite nicely, I'd say, though, boys. Yeah, he has. <laughs> now, I mean, Max Domi's interesting because I, I, I can't imagine the acquisition cost would be massive. Mm. Um, and if he's a guy they like, He's also leading the Blackhawks in scoring, which is is interesting. I mean, somebody's got to, they, yeah. but, but they do have Taze and, and Kane. He's having a better season than than Patrick Kane, who's not having a great year. Um, and the acquisition costs on a guy like that, I expect, is going to be a lot higher. You know, Taze is interesting to me because there's there's talk as I wrote a few weeks ago that he could be had for as little as like a third round draft pick. It's the money. Sure. And again, there's, there's, there's not a whole lot of teams that can fit his cap hit without roster surgery. The jets would be one of them. Um, And then there's, you know, the hometown connection is a nice angle, but I think there's a lot more to it. It's, we talk about things the jets could do, could be better at. And I know there's debate about the importance or not of face-offs, all I can say is Rick Bonus, he thinks faceoffs are important and his team gets slaughtered in the dot on a regular basis. Right. So, I mean, the faceoff debate, Mike, I mean, and both, you know, I don't think either side is wrong per se, but they're just looking at it through different lenses. Right. You know, in a micro, in a looking at it from a micro perspective, as in we need to win this specific faceoff. Yes. You know, when you're, if you're up a goal with 12 seconds to go uh, and the faceoffs in your own zone, then faceoffs are important. On the macro sense of it, over the entirety of the year, yeah, yeah, it's not a big deal one way or the other. Over the course of the year, it's not, you know, it's not something you necessarily need to put a premium on, uh, you know, in free agency at the beginning of the season. But it's something that you might want to acquire, as long as the guy can also play, for those key moments uh, towards the end of a game when you're in a playoff stretch drive or you're in an actual playoff game. 
And the problem for the Jets right now is they just don't have anybody you can reliably throw. I mean, Kevin Stenland is their best face-off man. And he's like at, I don't know, 52, 53%. And that's in a smaller body of work. Adam Lowry of the regulars, you know, mm. the Dubois and Shifley, like Lowry, and he's he's basically a coin flip. Like he's right around 50%. Jonathan Taze is what, 64, 60? Yeah. Like he's winning two thirds of his draws. Um, So you're right. You don't pay a premium for that, but a third round, a second round draft pick, that's not a premium for a, th- you know, a, a guy that's won multiple Stanley Cups. Um, still, I think, has some game in him. He's He wouldn't be coming here to play in your top six, mm-hmm. but I think he could be a nice piece to, to put in your bottom six that, you know, could also kill penalties, could maybe on the second power play unit and, like you say, win some face-offs. And he, he would also be insurance, guys. Let's not forget, there was a stretch this year where the Jets were using the likes of Carson Kuhlman, mm-hmm. Axel Janssen, Fialbi, um, Christian Reichel, Morgan uh, Barron, Michael Asamont. Like, all those guys were playing in the top six. I don't think you want – if you're planning on a long playoff run, right. as nice as those guys filled in – you'd like to have better options should you need them. You hope you don't need them, but if you do, um, it's not the worst thing to be prepared. So uh, Taze is intriguing to me, but for sure, I mean, I'm all for Kevin Sheveldayoff taking a mighty cut at the plate and and trying to land a Meyer. I think the, the, the cost would be significant, and the Horvat trade probably sets the table a little bit. That's exactly um, what I was thinking, Mike. That I mean, Timo Meyer and and Horvat aren't. I mean, different positions, different contracts. But, but I think you're right. The what what the Canucks got for Horvat would be similar to what you know the Devils or the Rangers or the Jets would have to give up for Meyer. Well, so let me ask that question uh, to you, Mike. Is is that from your perspective, looking at the Jets' uh, situation, looking at their where they are in the standings, look at the contracts that are on the books, and right. you know a little bit about what they have, you know, in the cupboard, and and what you know what they have that would be coming to them based on draft picks? How much is too much for the Jets to be giving up at this point in time? As you and I were talking about it, Stasny, when you go back to that acquisition, it was a first round pick that turned out to be a very late first round pick, yeah. and. And Eric Foley, who was not an A prospect from my, you know, if I recall correctly. So, you know, how much is too much for the Jets to give up in, in acquiring a player at this at this deadline? Well, I'm a believer, guys, that really no price is, is too high because I think the Jets should be doing everything possible to go all in. This is the year. Um, it's the year for a couple of reasons. Because as I, as I mentioned, you have no idea we don't have any idea anyways, what is going to happen with Hellebuck, Dubois and Shifley. If mm-hmm. all three of those guys indicate that they're not willing to sign extensions, long-term extensions, and I assume the Jets would like to sign those guys, then to, to me, you got to move them next summer. You, you don't right. go into next season now with, with, you know, them now being able to walk right into free agency. And then I guess you could, use them as a trade deadline chip next year. But to me, that, that's not a sound strategy. And and I, I think, you know, you'd move them, you'd move them to a team that could have them at least for a full year. Um, 
and and so you get a little bit more back from them and then maybe that team who depending on the situation maybe they sign them and and then you get a lot more back from them so for the reason that you have no idea what's going to happen beyond this season you have to live in the moment in a way here the other big reason and the bigger reason to me is the west is just wide open it is there for the taking there is no dominant team the jets are right there with the likes of Dallas and Seattle and who would have predicted that that would be the top three right. at the all-star break in terms of win percentage but that's the case um you know Colorado they still scare me and they, they look like they're starting to get their act together mm-hmm. um so Vegas I, loses Mark Stone indefinitely you know this right week. which I guess may free up some money now for them to do something but still yeah. they they don't look like they're their usual dominant selves um I guess I would say Colorado might still prove to be a dominant team in the West. Uh, They're kind of sleeping giants who seem to be waking up. Um, That being said, to me, the West is absolutely winnable. The division is winnable. And look, the Jets are coming off a few seasons of significant losses, you know, revenue, attendance because of COVID and other factors. There's there's some excitement in the air around this team. Like this is the time to go all in. And in that sense, I, if I'm Kevin Chevaldeoff, for once, I'm not worrying so much about the future. I'm I'm living in the moment. I agree with you 100, percent Mike. And and when you think about you know the first round picks they've had lately, right? Like they just had a couple with Rutger McGrody and Brad Lambert, Chaz Lucius, Lucius like. Yeah. Right. So you have the first round pick, you know, it's going to be late, whatever it ends up being like, it's not going to be anywhere close to the top 15 or 16. Right. So you're talking about like right. 24th or 25th overall pick. Plus you have some prospects like you're you, you've got some prospects that you can deal, especially on the left side of the defense. Right. But yeah. I, I want to transition to the column that we talked about in today's Winnipeg Free Press. You know, it's it's titled Bye Bye Bettman. And I was actually thinking about that recently. Like I was kind of thinking, you know, when will Gary retire? Because that's a long time. And you have to think that, you know, it, it's it's coming eventually. He's not going to be commissioner forever. Uh, all things, you know, good things come to an end. But, you know, I want to get into some of these suggestions because I'll, I'll let you kind of talk about the article and, and the impetus for the article. But like when you're talking about, um, you know, having a longer overtime and, you know, uh, head contact, I'm just going over it right now here on my other browser, uh, limiting the use of offside challenges. We were talking about that a couple of weeks ago. Like, I think there's been way too much video review, but just, you know, what was the impetus for the article? I don't I don't necessarily know if I agree with you on the, the kicking, letting guys kick kick pucks into the net and letting that count, but uh, yeah. the other 11 ones, I'm in complete agreement with you. So I should have been a little clear because I have got a few emails on the kicking saying, what do you want someone to, like, have their artery severed. <laughs> I'm I'm not advocating that guys should, you know, employ bicycle kicks. And I, I what I should have said is to make it a little more clear, like the directing pucks into net with feet where guys are angling their feet um, to have it deflect. And I get, I mean, you know, it's still a gray area at times. What is or isn't a distinct kicking motion. Sometimes it's just the, the simple act of just moving the foot slightly is um and we see it at times where it's actually quite a skilled play um but it's it's penalized so yeah i'm not as i'm not as gung-ho on that one i'm just in favor of more offense and i hate seeing goals taken off the board Mm -hmm. goalie interference ones i get 
even though I don't understand goalie interference still. I don't know that anybody does, including the NHL. Uh, the impetus for the article was, of course, there was a report this week that TV ratings are are plummeting south of the border, 22% this year over last on the U.S. deal with um, with ESPN and TNT. You know, less people are watching the product. And, um, you know, I, I see a lot of complaints about what, what the reason for that and you know they they offer up some explanations um they're off, offering more games this year which has maybe diluted the average viewership yeah, there's more fragment, yeah more fragmentation um and i get that that those are all reasons for sure i just think you know my my take was look if the nhl is just gonna and gary batman's gonna talk before the all-star game today and as i wrote in the piece i expect he'll just say everything's fine everything's great you know, he always does, but the fact Where of the is matter it, sorry, is... Sorry, Mike, just to cut you off, sorry, like, one of them, yeah. I'll let you continue here, but one of them is the di- the digital advertising. Like, I, loves I, it, I, haven't, I haven't talked to one person, that, not only that doesn't like it, but I haven't talked to one person that doesn't find it annoying. So the Gary Bettman, obviously, you guys not know, gonna, we, it just makes no sense, smart. it's distracting. The owners like it. The owners like it because it sure. generates revenue. And so revenue. as long as it generates but, revenue. But you're losing can... viewers because of it, Drew. They are. I, I, yes. I hear people all the time say it's become unwatchable. You know, it's distracting. And then that's not even, you know, there's all these these image, still images out there on social media of like players being decapitated, <laughs> um, you know, just players disappearing. It's, it's ridiculous. It's like and... you're going back to the Fox Puck era, Mike. Right. And so here's the thing I don't understand about the revenue part. Okay, so sure, you're able to sell more ads, but are you not then taking away from the ads that are already on the boards? Like those are getting less exposure now. So, and I know, I mean, I guess those people aren't, the NHL or the teams aren't going back to those uh, sponsors saying, well, here's a refund because your ad's being seen now 30% less than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, at some look, some things, it's just not worth the the added revenue. And to me, this is a self-inflicted one. So many of these are self-inflicted. Guys, I have, I have nothing against sports betting, sports gambling, nothing at all. It's just, to me, some of the broadcasts have become so obnoxious with the way it is shoved down right. people's throats. That's a Canadian thing more than an American thing because it, the, the the rules in the U.S. regarding advertising, uh, you know, and and cut-ins like you're talking about. Because yeah. you know, as everyone knows, I should, you know place my fair share of betting, so I have no problem with wagering as well. But the Canadian thing where they jump in and then jump out, it's so. You know, that doesn't happen on the U.S. broadcast. So that's a Canadian thing that the CRTC or whomever, you know, is our government sure. authority and, can can step in on. And, you know, to me, like when 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 Ron McLean is now sort of shilling mm-hmm. during yeah. Hockey Net, like that's to me, you've 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 jumped the shark. You've gone too far. And it's just it, there are times it feels like you're watching a betting show with a little bit of hockey spliced in. Well, it's because it's inauthentic is my big complaint with it. For sure. It, it is, you know, and, and, you know, not that, you know, we need to toot our own horn here, but I'll do it because Spencey's our boy. You know, he says that we, you know, because we have a, a, a gambling sponsor, Betway is a sponsor of our sure. show and we appreciate it. But we're not, you know, when Betway came aboard, we didn't change our format. We didn't all of a sudden take a sharp left turn and become gambling centric 
and, and, and hockey secondary, whereas the broadcasts have done that. And they've they made have. it so shamelessly that they, they can't even do it where it feels natural or it feels uh, it feels legitimate. It's just, you know, like you said, I don't disagree with your call with your point there. It's just that there's just such an inauthenticity to how they do it that it makes it obnoxious. Yeah, maybe they eventually rein it in. You know, it's still in a way a bit of a shiny new toy that they're mm-hmm. playing with, I guess. Um, and I got to think they're hearing feedback. I'm certainly hearing it. Um, you see it on social media. They can't be immune to it. So maybe they rein it in a bit. But yeah, I mean, to me, you know, the headshot one, uh, guys, you know, I, I just, and I've seen Alan Walsh and other agents advocate for it. Like, remove the gray area you drill a guy in the head I don't care if it was intentional or not I I don't care if the primary point of contact was the shoulder if you if you end up hitting a guy in the head to me make it a major see ya come back next game you know if you're not suspended depending on the the severity of it like just you got to make guys more aware of of where they're where they're hitting and and it's like the targeting rule in college football for sure sure if you're if you're a college football guy mike but in college football you know if they think that there's a play where it's targeting basically where anyone's using your their helmet primarily or using any other part of the body to hit their opponent in their head they stop the game they review it and then they they you know can kick the guy out of the game and then what happens is it takes a while and there's some ugliness to get through you know to that point get it wading through the muck but eventually players learn that you can't target the head and that's you know yeah and and we're seeing that it's happening at various um lower levels of hockey and i think for good reason you you have to almost retrain a whole generation of players who've been so accustomed to to one thing um but yeah i mean i just went through kind of my own personal list along with things i often hear from fans and and readers um you know things that bug them and and just some of them are are ticky tack you know i said i'd like to see home teams start wearing white again i'd like to see the road the road darks come to town as opposed to always the white sweaters you know so when when the detroits or the montreals or torontos come here i want to see their their darks yeah. um and, and for the younger viewers, Mike, that used to be the case. I forget yeah. what the year was, like if it was the yeah. early 2000s or the late 90s. I forget exactly. But that used they to flip. be the case that the home team would wear white. Right around the well, midway. The HL point. flips. The HL flips now. I mean, there's no yeah. reason why the NHL can't also flip. It's not like it's a difficult, you know, I'm sure they can find a way to sell some uh, sell some new jerseys at it. So the, the, they'll, you know, maybe offset the loss of the digital board advertisements as, right. as a result. And uh, then, you know, another one, which I see, uh, certainly there's there's player support it would seem would be to extend three on three overtime just try and eliminate the shootout like i saw an interesting stat i think it's only 6.5 percent of all games this year have gone to a shootout but the number is shrinking for sure have the jets played one yet they have not they have not yeah they haven't um, i mean i was trying to think if they won one in the shootout which but is they kind of crazy boys because we're 52 games in. i know but yeah. i think what are they six and one or seven and one in overtime like something like that yeah I mean, and I, so you know i so like 93 yeah seven and one seven oh seven and one in overtime seven and one so the majority of games that get to overtime they're already ending within the five minutes mm-hmm. but for the 6.5 percent if that's what the number is and i i read i think it was an associated press story that had that number um you know, I see guys like Connor McDavid at the All-Star game this week were saying, I'd like to see it extended. So make it 10 minutes then. And that 6.5%, I would think almost becomes 0% 
you got to think most games would end. And I guess if they're still tied after 10, um, all right, use the stupid shootout. Um, but, you know, I think three on three has proven to be a ratings draw. Sure. I don't think shootouts are, I, I know for me personally, if a game ends, if overtime ends without a winner, like that's time for me to click the channel. If I'm just surfing around games and speaking of surfing around games, this is a huge B in my bonnet guys. The NHL talk about self-inflicted. They'll have nights where there's like six or seven games and mm-hmm. they all start at the same time. And Which, so, you know, we have the NHL center ice package. I like to flip around and watch games. Nothing gets me angrier than when every game is on the intermission at the mm-hmm. same time. It makes no sense. I don't care if it means starting games at at 710, 720. Do something to at least stagger them a bit. Well, they do it in the playoffs. The I mean, right. they do it in the playoffs because we know how, you know, Assume let's assume the Jets are, are going to end up making the playoffs. Those home games for the Jets might very well start at 8, 8.30, yeah. you know, because they they don't, you know, they start the first game at 6 or 6.30 or, you know, whatever time, and they'll start the late game, you know, at a staggered time because they don't yeah. want to divide the eyeballs. The fact that they know to do it in the in the – uh, in the postseason, but not in the regular season. It's just, like you said, it doesn't have to be on the 30 minutes. It can be yeah. 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes, whatever time, it, you know, you need to set it up or just, you know, the NFL does it all the time. That's why not, you know, the the uh, the later games, not the night games, but the later window doesn't all start at 325. Some right. of them are at 305. Some of them are at 325. So, there so is let me add staggering. one more, guys. I wrote this column yesterday afternoon and filed it. Um but if I could go back in time, I'd probably add a 13th thing based on all the reaction I saw. <laughs> Eliminate whatever the hell that was last night. Was now, I got to be honest. I didn't. Wa- I watched maybe the first 20 minutes of it. And then I actually went and watched my, my son's beer league hockey game last night, which I can tell you was a lot more exciting based on everything I've heard about the, the skills competition. Um Talk about a league that was probably trying too hard to be cute and relevant. And well, you know, uh, you know, I, I watched more of it than I than I care to admit, uh, Mike. You know, to me, like the one was actually outside, eating Chipotle while watching that pigeon right, puck. Right, yeah, you know, those ones, like the the surfboard one with the dunk tank, was kind of fun. You know, it, it moved. It was, it, it was fun. It was it was okay. The golf one was a little bit interesting. It was the events that were in the arena, like for yeah. the live audience, as opposed to the ones that were broad that were uh, earlier in the day and, and yeah. pre-taped. You know, that Tendi tandem one. You know, you have to be a scholar to figure out what the hell the rules were in that one. I'm watching <laughs> this and I'm thinking, what? And my kids are watching with me. And they're like, Dad, what's happening? And I'm like, I'm sorry, children. I know this is upsetting to learn that Dad doesn't have all the answers. But I did not know what the hell was going on in that event. It was just, you know, it must have been tedious for the crowd, uh, the limited crowd that was in attendance, because it certainly wasn't sold out in in, in South Florida. No. Well, the other th- the other complaint I saw from people, and again, I didn't see a lot of the events, but a lot of people said it looked like some of the players, like they weren't even trying. Has it become uncool? To try yeah. to I, put I mean, in F, like, so you, you just go through the motion. But, I mean, if that's the case, then why are we even having this event? I will I mean, say, though, that I do really like the inclusion of female players. 
Like I I'd really like the a... fact like Sarah Nurse had a nice move on I on Shesterkin, right? So like, uh, and, and I believe there were four or five female players, right? So I think you know, and I and, I, and the thing is, Mike, like you know, for you, you you have to pretend that you care about it, right? Like I think that's what everybody really does, right? Like even you know the, well, the most hardcore fans, like they take it with a grain of salt. Like I really thought it was cool that you know Josh Morrissey was in there with. You know, Elias Pettersson, Alex Ovechkin, Rasmus right. Dahlin. I think he finished third or second he did, yeah, in, in the hardest shot, right? So, like, you know, Hellebuck obviously won the Tendi tandem event. So, for Jets fans, like, I mean, you have to you have to look at look at this with a glass half full, right? Because if you if you don't look at it that way, then yeah, for the most part, it's all ridiculous. One one thing I know, Mike, we got to let you go here uh, pretty soon. But one other thing in this article that I really <laughs> liked. I mean, I like the article as a, as a whole, but one. And, and the thing, too, I wanted to mention was a lot of these are so common sense, right? Like you mentioned, like most people watching us, like th these ideas, they aren't like you, you think about them and extending over time. Like it Not makes reinventing so much sense. the wheel. No, no, exactly. Well, so you, you hope that the NHL, you know, over the next several years, you hope that some of these, you know, actually do take place because you mentioned the players, Connor McDavid, they favor a 10-minute three-on-three overtime as opposed to the shootout. And if you only have six games going to – six percent of games going to a shootout, like, it's time to, you know, get rid of it essentially. But the one thing I wanted to mention just quickly is I really like the idea of having the officials speak after games because yeah. this is something, well, you know, that you've heard about. Year. But for the accountability and the transparency, Mike, like, that's something that especially this year, it seems like the officiating – has been kind of at an all-time low this year. And, you know, we've seen a lot of questionable calls in Jets games, but it seems like this is something that if it's not, you know, officials speaking to the media, there has to be something more done to, to hold officials accountable after games. For sure. And again, we go back to the, the rise of gambling and sports betting. And, you know, if, if the NHL wants to be taken seriously mm -hmm. as a property that you can, you know, wager with some confidence on. I think they they have major steps that need to be taken to improve things like transparency and accountability, which are not there right now. And I'm not I'm not saying guys that a referee, you know, should should be put up at the podium and have like 15 reporters in the rink just firing hardballs at them. I am saying at the very least, like a, a pool a reporter, reporter yeah. should be able to get a comment or two about a, a key call or a missed call in real time that can be passed on to the audience. And I don't see, you know, the NBA does mm -hmm. that. They, they Final five-minute reports. Right. They just botched a huge call against LeBron James the other day, and they put out yeah. a full transparent statement admitting to it. And mm -hmm. that we got to be better. And like, to me, that's no, I realize you can't go back and, and fix it. You can't go back and change it. What you can do, though, is explain it so that hopefully people come away and say, all right, I'm still not happy, but right. at least now I got, I got, you know, some additional information on that. And hopefully it doesn't happen again. That's all anybody's asking for. Well, and yeah. I think it's cowardly to kind of hide behind the whole sanctity of, oh, referees aren't allowed to talk well you know let's change that 
Well, especially because the, you know, the explanations that come out of the situation room after any sort of challenge aren't, in fact, explanations. They just recap what happened. Um, right. It's, it's Jeff, copy and Jeff's, paste from the rule yeah, book. It is. Exactly. It's like it that is. doesn't shed any light on anything to anyone. We all know what we saw, but, you know, walk us through the mindset and everything yeah. else. And it doesn't even, like you said, it doesn't have to be, it, it can be exactly how the NBA does it, except for the fact that the NHL is, I mean, they're terrified of transparency for whatever reason. I don't know if it's, I mean, and, and you know, it's, I don't know what that logic is. I don't know if it's that they'd have to pay the officials more if you're putting them in the line of fire on, 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 a, on a daily basis. But whatever it might be, it's time, again, it needs to be brought into 2023 with the mindset, I would say. I, I go back just to the one that stands out to me this year, guys, in Dallas, of Connor course. Hellebuck's mask. You know, to me, we never there was never an explanation from the NHL about mm. why the play wasn't blown dead. There's a there's one where Garrett Rank, the referee, he should have to say, well, either I didn't see it, I didn't notice that his mask was off, or I did, mm-hmm. but I felt that that you know, um, Winnipeg never had possession. Like th- th- there's there's all kinds of ways that that should have been explained that weren't, and it ended up being a very key play. Dallas tied the game; it went to overtime. Um, but I mean, we could go through the whole season, and you could find all kinds of reasons. I just think it's time for a change. Mike McIntyre is with the Winnipeg Free Press. He's a good friend of the show. Mike, we appreciate your time and insight as always. We'll let you get on with your Saturday morning. And uh, as he needs some exterminating done, if you have a little bit of spare time, uh, you can uh, fill in this this morning. So the guy said that that they'd already come here to do whatever they do for the, the mice. And he said that, uh, you know, they were here to do a second application or something. And I mentioned yeah. that um, my mother-in-law is not in town right now and won't be for a long time. So that's what that was all about. So good. So, so I'll just, I guess I'll just have to is- kill the mice on my own, Mike. So you told them that the house is empty so they can come back and case the joint further. I'm sure she appreciates that. I don't, the, the folks at Poulin's Exterminators are not going to do that. <laughs> the, the mice will still be there when she comes back the, the jewelry might be gone though that's the, that's the that's the difference right now i think i think mice were that's the 13th anniversary gift guys <laughs> yeah, so they're, a year, funny, they're a year too late on that one yeah exactly mike thank you for this right. buddy cheers thank mike guys happy we'll do anniversary. it again real soon take care Take care. Mike McIntyre, the Winnipeg Free Press, joining us this morning on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. You should have asked Mike how, how many years he's been married. Well, I, you know, you can text him, as he, and you can find out. Because you're at, what, 11 now? Uh, I will be at 11 this year. In April, I will be at 11, which is hard yeah. to believe. And I'm approaching uh, six, which is really hard to believe. Yeah, that is hard. That seems like You didn't even think yesterday. I'd make it to one year, Drew. I, I, I never thought you got you would get married. Never mind, make it to a year. I just never assumed you'd get married. That's more likely what, what my mind, what my thinking was. Uh, let's go to break. We're way over time. We'll come back. Uh, we got more things to do. And ten thirty this morning until the end of the show. AIA, ask illegal curve anything. So you guys can put your questions in the chat. We will see what we see, and we will put it on the screen, and we'll talk about it. So get your questions ready starting at 10.30 this morning. It can be hockey-related. It can be nonsense-related. Ask Illegal Curve anything for the final 30 minutes on this morning's show. We're celebrating 14 years of Illegal Curve broadcasts. Maybe we'll play what it sounded like when we debuted up next. You're listening to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Keeping Winnipeg laughing for over 30 years. 
Rumors, Canada's longest-running comedy club, bringing you the biggest laughs from the best comedians on the planet. Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, John Stewart, Dennis Miller, Brad Garrett, the greats, and all the up-and-comers, too. When was the last time you laughed out loud? Make it a great night out with friends or book your office or birthday party. Even a fundraising event at Rumors. Get all the details and dates on upcoming shows at RumorsComedyClub.com. Hi, Ez. A strange question for you. But why are you lying on the ground being crushed by a piano? Well, Drew, I definitely tried to carry this baby grand piano down the stairs by myself, and somehow I failed miserably. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. That was a silly question on my part. My apologies. Would you like me to call Rolly's Transfer Moving and Storage to help you move the piano? They are the most experienced piano moving company in Winnipeg, after all. Yes, please call Rollies and hurry. This piano is very, very heavy. Rollies Transfer Moving and Storage offers stress-free residential moving services while taking great care of your personal belongings, including your piano. At Rollies, no job is too big or too small. For more information, visit Rollies.com. Hi, it's Drew from Illegal Curve here. Selling your home can be stressful, but it wasn't for me. Thanks to my friends at Zapia Group Realty, they made the process so easy. My home sold within 48 hours and with multiple offers. Zapia Group Realty took care of everything with their exquisite customer service and attention to detail. If you want to sell your home for more in less time, get started by talking to Frank and Mauro Zapia of Zapia Group Realty. Online at zapiagroup.com. Hey, Drew. Ezzy, whoa, what a smile. Yeah, I got my crowns done at Linden Market Dental Center, and they whiten my teeth. I see. They're so bright that every time I smile, they go, We have hockey tonight. Do you have a mouth guard to protect those pearly whites? I sure do. Whoa, they even ting through the mouth guard. Linden Market Dental Center covers all your dental needs, from restorative to cosmetic dentistry, and will fit you with a sports guard for that active lifestyle. 877 Waverly. See LindenMarketDental.com. So you're a pizza person, you married a wing person, but somehow your kids are salad people. You can't pick your fam, but you can pick your BP meal deal. Starting from $18.99 for takeout or delivery at bostonpizza.com. Big thanks to Mike McIntyre of the Winnipeg Free Press for joining us this morning on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. 14 years ago today, we began this fine program, and God willing, if this works, let's hear what it sounded like. Well, I'll keep talking for a second. Eventually, this might play. Uh, you know, like I said, technology is a little hit or miss. It's been hit or miss for the last 14 years. There's no reason why it would be any different at this point in time. welcome to the inaugural LegalCurve.com radio show. I'm your host, Drew. I'm joined in studio tonight. This is our first show on KickFM, Drew, that you're going to play? To the left of me, I have Richard Pollock. Richard, say good evening to the nice people. Good evening, everybody. To the right of me. Will you have it queued up or what? What's Ezzy, happening here? Say good evening to the Can nice you not people? hear it? Hello, everybody. Hello, I can't Red hear it. River audience. Oh, you can't Let's hear it? Go. That's this weird. Is awesome. I can hear it. There we go. I thought everybody would be able from to hear Ezzy it. There. A little bit about us. We oh, are your one-stop shop for all your hockey news. You can catch us 24 hours a day. Well, maybe it didn't work because I could hear it. I could hear it in my headphones. The folks in the chat can tell me if they heard it or not because uh, I thought it should have worked. I thought I had it all. See, they're telling me they can hear it. Why can't you hear it, Ginsburg? Never heard it. Okay, well, let's try it again. Maybe I can, I can, I can, uh, I can start it again. See if you can hear it this time. I don't know. Unmute your mic, maybe. I don't know. You figure it out. I, I can hear it. I don't know why you can't. Hear it. Seven days a week, three hundred and sixty-five days a year at okay. triple. 
Well, I don't know. This is Good the- evening, Winnipeg. Good evening, Manitoba. And to all those listening in on www.kick.fm, good evening, universe. And welcome to the inaugural legalcurve.com radio uh, show. I'm your host, Drew. I'm joined in studio tonight by my usual band of co-conspirators. To the left of me, I have Richard Pollock. Richard, say good evening to the nice people. Good evening, everybody. To the right of me, Ezra Ginsburg. Ezzy, say good evening to the nice people. Hello, everybody. Hello, Red River audience. Let's go. This is awesome. There we go. Good intro from Ezzy there. A little bit about us. We are your one-stop. Yeah, I'm still playing it. I got the whole. Okay. I, got all well, I don't know. I can't hear it. So, I mean, you got to tell me when it stopped playing. So, I don't, I I'm not sure what you want me to do here. I stopped playing it. Uh, I, I've stopped. Just, I can, I guess, Drew. Yes, exactly. I don't know why. That's weird that you couldn't hear it. But in any event, the people on the audience could hear it, and it sounded very similar to how it sounds today. We just uh, the thing that always jumps out at me from the first show 14 years ago. Bailey, were you even born 14 years ago? That occurs to me that that's a relevant question to ask because the answer might depress me thoroughly for the rest of the day. But uh, what jumps out at me is that we never actually introduced ourselves with our last names. It was just Drew, Richard, and Ezra to start, and, and, and we never actually used our last names at that point in time. Nobody Here's a cares. Question, Does Eddie. anybody care about your last name? It's really only the first name that matters. Well, now they know our last names. Do you, uh, do you remember what the name of the show was? Yeah, it was the IllegalCurve.com radio show. Good, good memory. I wanted to see yeah. if you remembered that. Okay, good but, you job. Know, going you back to, to those days, I was trying to – I don't know if we had a guest on, on the first show, but Bobby Clark – was one of our first guests. I'm not sure if that was the third show or the fourth fourth show or everything like that. Of course, my dad is from Flin Flon. Shout out to my dad if he's watching. Um, so my dad pulled a few strings and we, uh, I think Bobby Clark was in Florida, if I'm not mistaken, because he has a home in Florida. I'm not sure if he was with the Panthers organization or the Flyers organization. No, no, I'm the pretty Flyers sure organization. The Flyers, right? Yeah. yeah. So we had Bobby Clark on. That was a huge thrill to talk to him about. I'm not sure what we talked about back then, probably Chris Pronger or something like that. Um, but yeah, and then we were lucky enough to have, remember we had Patrick Sharp on mm-hmm. because you had a connection in Ottawa, or, right? Two or three. Yeah. We had Patrick Sharp on, yeah. uh, when he was still with the Blackhawks, you're right, as he, and, uh, we had Mike Bossy on a, at a, at a point in time. Oh, that was a know. huge thrill. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, it was, it, it's been fun over the last 14 years, folks, as you, as you well know, it has been fun. It's hard to believe that it's been 14 years. That exactly. And Bailey it's great wasn't that even Dave showed up, right? Like, it's good that he didn't just go to Vegas and, and decide to, uh, you know, treat himself and, and go solo. So Dave has been it. great on today's show. <laughs> I thought he's really been, Dave and Richie have been really pulling their weight on, on today's show. Like, like, like no show other, but uh, nonetheless. Richie's we, got uh, two bottles in each hand right now. So, uh, <laughs> and, and we're not talking about alcohol bottles, so. It's true. It's true. He was, he's a busy man. Let's get back to the Jets, though. We were talking about it. You know, do you, can you, you know, Timo Meyer, of course, is, is the big name, you know. And, and Doesn't he makes make so much sense for my Devils? Like, I, I think the Rangers right now are considered the front runner, but, like, those teams have cap space, right? Like, sure. that's the big well, difference. So the and, well, they don't have, the, they don't have the, the cap space that the Devils and the Rangers have, though, Drew. Well, they have the cap space to it. They can acquire Timo Meyer if, if they wanted to. It's not like they won't be able to fit him within the cap, as opposed to some of the other teams that that, that are but it's know, next being year, bandied though. about. It's $10 million well, next year that I think you have to be concerned about. Well, so for, you know, for I guess I want to look at it, you know, can you foresee a circumstance where it's a possibility for the Jets? I mean, it would certainly be an upgrade. Timo Meyer? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of possibilities right now. I just don't think the Jets are at the front of the race. 
I don't think they're at the front of the race. I don't think either. the Jets are a favorite right now to land Timo Meyer is what I'm saying. I, I don't disagree, but it's sort of ironic because if you look at you know what the Jets would theoretically have to offer, it's a lot of pieces that San Jose would probably be interested in. Young players who, you know, obviously the first round pick, which is, you know, look, any of these first round picks, you know, people make them out to be they, as if they're, you know, they're worth their weight in gold. These are by and large, the teams that are acquiring them are anticipating giving up a, a late first round pick. So a late first round pick, you know, is not necessarily going to change your franchise. I know that, you know, they put a, such a heavy premium well, it can, on it. But it's a, it's a crapshoot. It's a crapshoot. I mean, look, Jim Slater was a late first round pick. No disrespect to Jim Slater. Very good NHL career, but he's not changing anyone's franchise. You know, you look at some of the other late first round picks or even the mid first round picks that the Jets have made over the years or even some of the other teams. They're not game changing. They're not changing the trajectory of your franchise. So to me, giving up a late first round pick or a first round pick in the mid 20s isn't isn't all it's cracked up to but be. Apparently they want two first round picks, though, Drew. That's the that's the issue. So they want they want a high end prospect. Right. And then they also want a first round pick, right? So the, it's sure. a it's a high price. It's a much higher price than you're going to have to give up for Jonathan Taves, for example, right? Of like to me, there's tiers of guys here, right? You, like you know the the guys, the top tier well, guys: Ryan O'Reilly, Vladimir Tarasenko, Timo Meyer. I think Jacob Chikrin is in the top tier for defensemen. But then when you talk about the second tier, then you've got you know the Vladislav Gavrikovs, you've got the Luke Shens, right? So yeah, I mean the it, it's an option. Like you know, we don't know. You know, if, you know, Chevy has spoken to Mike Greer, we have no idea, but you'd have to think right now, like Timo Meyer is a guy that the Jets would love to have, because if you think about it, then that moves Blake Wheeler down to a third, third line role, right? right? Of and course. Can you imagine having Timo Meyer and Nick Ehlers, former Halifax Mooseheads on the same line? Like Meyer is an incredible player, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's no doubt that he's number one on the daily faceoff trade board. And he's probably, you know, number one on most teams who are he's looking the, to... He's number one on the TSN trade bait board. He, he's number one for a reason because he does what is the hardest thing to do in the NHL, which is score goals. He's an elite goal scorer in the NHL. When you pair him with a guy like Kyle Connor or Mark Schleifley, other, you know, guys who are also, uh, you know, in the elite category when it comes to goal scoring, or certainly, you know, in Schleifley's case, if you don't want to say he's elite there, he's damn close to elite when it comes to goal scoring. I mean, then it, it, it really makes your team all that more dangerous. But, you know, to me, the $10 million, while it's significant and it's certainly a factor, if you're looking at it from the Jets' perspective, so look, Blake Wheeler's contract, contract is expiring not next year, but the year after. Pierre-Luc Dubois, you don't know what his long-term status is here. You know, $10 million, if you could get him an admire under contract, you know, isn't as big of a bite to chew, I find, when you consider all the contracts that might be leaving the Jets roster. Now, I don't expect the Jets to acquire him. It's not in their MO. It's not traditionally how they've operated. They've always gone when it comes to the trade deadline for the expiring contract guys or the guys who are a little bit less expensive in terms of cost and might just be pure rentals. When was the last time the Jets acquired anybody who had term on their contract at the deadline. I don't think they ever have. It was Kevin Hayes pending UFA, Paul Stasny pending UFA, even guys like Lee Stempniak. Wasn't he a pending UFA and Yuri Tulusti back in the day? So again, these don't are forget not about Jay Harrison. Jay Harrison, sure. That wasn't at the deadline, though. That was when they had that huge rash of injuries. 
But so, you know, the, I, the Jets, I don't believe, have acquired anybody at the deadline that's ever had term on their deal. Shout out to Joe Morrow. Sure, Joe Morrow. I mean, when they acquired Dylan DeMello, they of course then re-signed him, but he was, I think, going to be a pending UFA if I if I recall correctly. Uh, when they acquired him from Ottawa, but maybe this is the time, Drew, like you said, to acquire a guy with some term. Like I don't know if we're talking about you know a guy that has you know six or seven years. I'm not talking about that, but you know two years, three years, something like that. Jacob Chikrin is a guy that we talked like. Sure. Look at Chikrin. I think his name has been out there for so long, like. It's almost like like you forget about it in a way, right? Like, because his name has been out there for well over a year in terms of a guy that you know could be moved by Arizona, right? So well, you wonder if Arizona has misplayed their hand, Ezzy. Maybe they've been asking for the moon, and teams are going to pivot away from. I think that's a hundred percent it because you heard about that last year, right? right? Like you heard about teams that didn't want it. they wanted to acquire Chikrin, but like they were treating him like he was basically Eric Carlson. Sure, and that's another guy who's out there that I don't think anybody expects the Jets to acquire. But you know, it's going to be really interesting. Like those, that's really swinging for the fences. Like if you're a team like the Rangers or you know some of the other teams that we know that want to acquire defensemen, but I just think it's going to be way too hard to move Carlson. Well, look, yes, especially with San. Look, San Jose should be thrilled that they can maybe get out of out from under Eric Carlson's contract. And maybe factor that into their thinking. Instead, they're asking for, what, three first-round picks or something? Look, Eric Carlson's a great player. He's having a fantastic year. But he's, you know... He he's also, not 25 years old either. That's right. You can also read, the, you know, the, the calendar. You can see how old he is. You can know that this year is actually an anomaly from his previous seasons. And so is this the year that's likely to continue for the next three, four, five years, or is it likely to revert back to something maybe between this year and his poor seasons when he first, yeah, his shooting percentage and his point totals are, are way up and it's, and it's fun to watch. Right. But you're right. He's probably more of a 50 to 60 point defenseman as opposed to like an 80 to 90 point defenseman. But regardless, like, do you want to give up those multiple first round picks? Like, do you think acquiring Eric Carlin, is going to put you over the top and and make you a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. Like there's well, only I think a few teams that I think are even seriously considering acquiring him. Well, that's the problem with the teams that that are in the Eastern Conference that are talking about this. You know, acqu- talking about acquiring players and and, and getting in there. Um, but you know, because the, the East is such a dogfight. I mean, you tell me, you know, Boston has obviously had an incredible year and, and nobody would argue that they're the best team uh, in the NHL. Just, I mean, they, they could also get knocked easily. out in the first round, depending on who they play. That's just it. I mean, or, or you know, take a team like Carolina. So if you're New Jersey or you're New York and you acquire and you go out and you go, you know, the, the uh, big game hunting, like we like to say, or like people like to say, does that change your trajectory? Does that change significantly where you're going to go if you're a team in the East? You know, is does New does New Jersey if they acquire Timo Meyer, does that make them better than Carolina? Does that make them no. better than Boston? No, probably not. So you're going to spend all these assets, and you're still going to be in a very similar spot. Whereas if a team in the West goes big game hunting, that changes you know how the West might play out because none of the teams in the West right now they're all they're all fairly middling. They're all good, but there's no stupendous team. But if you're at the Jets, for example, or Seattle, I mean, you can use any of the teams that are that are sort of middling, you know, good but middling in the West. If you acquire a Timo Meyer, or if you're Colorado, and not you know, not the, or Edmonton, I mean, look, I can say all the teams. If you acquire a, a legitimate superstar, that probably puts you at the head of the pack 
for those teams in the West. It doesn't necessarily do the same for a team in the East. And I do think someone is going to swing for the fences in the West because it's so wide open, right? Like, I don't think, you know, you know, you hear Colorado, like Jonathan Taves, you know, could be a guy that Colorado's after, or, you know, Colorado could be after like this year's version of Arturi Lekkinen. Another guy that we haven't really talked about, I believe it was our good friend, Kenny Weeb that brought this up. Ivan Barbashev to me makes a lot of sense for the Jets or a number of teams. Fits in perfectly right on that, improving your third line, improving your middle six. He's big, he's physical, and he's a guy who just set career highs last year. What did he have, 55 points? Something like that. I want to say 25 goals. I'd have to look it up here. But Barbashev is a guy that can play in your second line, third line, uh, you know, and that's not going to cost you a lot to acquire him either, right? Right. I mean, again, he's a he's a he's a pending UFA. He's a he's a pure rental. Of course, you can resign him. Last year, he had twenty six goals and sixty points. So again, that fits perfectly for that. You know, if because look, you look at the Jets' middle six, and there's no question that it needs to be better if they truly want to make a if if they if they expect to make a run in the West. I mean, they've had a great year so far, but you you do need to shore up that middle six, that bottom six, wherever you want to say it. And so, you know, maybe instead of going for one of the biggest names, you sort of go for those guys who are a little bit under the radar, a little bit maybe on the, not the fringe, because that's not the right word for it, but the Barbashevs, the Domies. And all of a sudden you're bumping guys down you know, out of your third and fourth lines, maybe you're putting them into the press box and you're replacing them with guys who are seasoned veterans who know how to win or have been through the the playoff battles. Like a guy like Barbashev has played over his NHL career. He's played 50 playoff games. He knows how to play in the playoffs. All with the Blues. uh, All with the Blues. He's only played with the Blues. He's been with the Blues for the last seven years. So a guy who's still got some tread on the tires, who probably is looking for an opportunity, who's had a bad year in St. Louis. He's had a down year, which is only going to lower his asking price or the price that the the Blues uh, are are going to get for What do you have to give up? A second-round pick? Probably. I don't Third-round pick? Like, I'm not sure. I don't think you would have to give up a first-round pick. Yeah, I wouldn't think you would. I, I wouldn't think, especially with the year he's had, I wouldn't think you would require a first round pick. I would think, you know, something a little, you know, like you said, maybe a second, maybe a second and a fourth or a second and a fifth, something like that. And again, you could always get that back, right? Like Chevy can get these picks back by whether it's like we've talked about, like moving a defenseman or whatever. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean if you want to move cool. in and move out, sure. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's something to consider. I, I see the Jets going down that route. And and again, I do think there is the possibility that Chevy is going to pick uh, acquire somebody that we haven't been talking about, but if I'm, you know, a betting man here, I'm thinking that, you know, the Jets acquire a top 9 forward and more of a kind of depth defenseman. Like, you mm-hmm. know, we talked about like Luke Shen's not a guy that I'm advocating for, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's the route they go. Like they get an Ivan Barbashev and a Luke Shen or players similar to that. I didn't um, look at but Jonathan far. Taves, I think, is absolutely you know in the conversation. I just don't know how serious the Jets are about acquiring him. Well, I, I don't mean, think anybody does. I, that's those are all the big questions that'll have to be answered. Less than a month from now is the trade deadline. One month from yesterday is the NHL trade deadline. When we come back, get your questions ready. Put them in the chat. Ask a legal curve anything. Hockey related, nonsense related, food related, whatever is on your mind. We'll talk about it next. You can ask the questions. We will try and answer them for the final 25 or so minutes of this morning's program. Drew Mandel, Ezra Ginsberg celebrating 14 years of Illegal Curve Radio. We're live on YouTube and all of our social media platforms. Saturday morning, we're back on the Illegal Curve 
Curve Hockey Show. Drew Mandel, Ezra Ginsberg with you. Another week off ahead for the Winnipeg Jets. Actually, I guess they'll be back on the ice Thursday afternoon for practice. But our next broadcast won't be again until next Saturday morning, 9 a.m. back here on our YouTube channel. And then again next Saturday night, not, or I guess close to midnight, will be the Illegal Curve postgame show following the Jets and the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, I get the feeling, the, by the way, that I know you want to get into uh, Ask IC Anything here, but yeah, I get the feeling with all of this time off and how just terrible the Blackhawks are, like I, I'm already predicting like that's going to be just a like a thrashing 7-1 or something. I don't think, I don't know, because Chicago plays this week. Chicago doesn't have this week off. I think I looked it up. Uh, I think they play, if I recall correctly, they play on... Uh, they play on Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken. Well, Maybe it's good that they, have, they don't have this week off because they've taken the whole season off thus far. <laughs> funny as he uh they play I, maybe i'm wrong actually hang on it wouldn't be the first time i'm wrong but i could have sworn that they uh i thought they maybe i read something wrong that would wouldn't be surprising in the least bit if i read something wrong but i could have sworn i saw that they were playing well hang on no they play friday never mind it is a back-to-back situation for chicago it's even there worse that's what yeah i, I knew they played one group yeah, they play Tuesday uh, at home to Anaheim. That'll be a barn burner. Don't get, don't forget getting your tickets to that, folks. Connor Bedard play, Bowl, right? Yeah. Then they play Friday at home to Arizona, another barn burner. I know. Hold on to your seats, waiting for that. And then they come here to play that weird uh, nine o'clock start on Saturday. So they, they are, are going to be exhausted, and they're a horrible hockey team. So I think that's going to be an easy W for the Jets. Okay, well, and Lord knows, as these predictions have never gone awry before, uh, something I checked out before the show in terms of the remaining uh, strength of schedule for all the teams in the NHL. Jets come in sort of middle of the pack. They have the, uh, I guess that would be the 18th hardest schedule left from now until the end of the regular season with the 32 ga- the 30 games they have left. Their hardest games are against, of course, Eastern Conference teams by and large. They have one against Boston, one against Carolina, two against the Devils, one against the Lightning, one against the Rangers. And their hardest Western Conference game is against the Seattle Kraken. Uh, the, e- the Jets have... Easy game, easy games against the Columbus Blue Jackets, although they've lost to the Blue Jackets. The Blackhawks next Saturday, they have one against the Ducks, one against the Coyotes, three more against the San Jose Sharks, uh, and then w- one more against the St. Louis Blues. The team with the easiest schedules in the NHL left, uh, starting Colorado has the 28th easiest schedule, or I guess they have, pardon me, the fifth easiest schedule. Then Calgary, Los Angeles, Seattle, and the team with the easiest schedule left in the NHL for the remainder of the season are the Dallas Stars. So there you go. There's a little bit of food for thought as it pertains uh, to. It's going to be a great race, right? Like it's completely wide open. Like Colorado can can still catch in theory, but like eight points, they have to they have those four games in hand. It's going to be close. Yeah. Um, but that's what you like to see, right? Like same thing with the East. There's going to be a race for those last two wild card spots. Obviously. You know, nobody's catching Boston or, or Carolina in the East, but those wild card spots, you've got Florida in there, you've got the Islanders in there, the Sabres, who, you know, I think we're all pulling for to get that last wild card spot, but you'd have to play the Bruins in the first round. But yeah, I mean, that, that's even more reason why I think this is a year where you go for it if you're the Jets. And I think Kevin Sheveldayoff knows that, and he's got that mm-hmm. first round pick basically ready to go. 
Yeah, exactly right. And I saw there was a question. Okay, let's get into ask a legal curve question or ask a legal curve anything. Kurt was asking about uh, Max Domi earlier, and we were talking, of course, about Max Domi. And he's definitely a name that's out there. He's a pending UFA. He's having a great year for the Blackhawks, which is the definition of damning with faint praise, uh, with 35 points in 48 games. He's the only guy having a good year, really. Yeah, really. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, remember when Max Domi was at his peak, uh, 18-19 with the Montreal Canadiens, where he was just under, a bit under a point a game, and then he's just been sort of on a downward spiral uh, since then. Look, I think would not surprise me at all if Max Domi ended up as a member of the Winnipeg Jets. I think the Jets are looking for uh, solutions and players. Does that mean they have to acquire Chris King's uh, child as well? I, I I don't know if that's a rule, but I think it should be. They say, you know, you can't have one, you can't have one Domi in Winnipeg without Kinger next to him. Yeah, of course, uh, you know, there, there's some behind the scenes. Uh, we When we had the, an opportunity to have dinner with Chris King going back uh, in the day, uh, we had a nice uh, little dinner with him. Mona Lisa the patio. That's right. Back in the day, those are some the funny lawman. stories you have to tell. Look, uh, at yeah, uh, Domi, by the way, would, I think there's going to be a lot of, like, Every time, you know, we talk about the trade deadline a month out, everybody has their guys, right? And I mean, Max Domi is a little bit of a controversial guy because as you mentioned, Drew, you know, he is, he's, his career trajectory, it's kind of, it's been kind of a little bit up and down, not a little bit, you know, it's been up and down and he's been on what, four or five teams now. So, I mean. Arizona, Montreal, Columbus, uh, where else is he? Chicago, obviously. Right. And then number five could be, you know, in, in a few weeks, right? So I I think he would not cost you as much as, you know, the Timo Myers or the Ryan O'Reilly's right. And he's going to play on the wing. But the thing I like about Domi is he's a guy that can be a pest, right? And come playoff time, we, we've talked a lot about, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois gets under the skin of players. And that's something that I think, you know, over the last few years, you know, the Jets have become a more difficult team to play against. I think, you know, not necessarily, you know, as difficult to play against as the 2017 to 2019 Jets when you had, you know, Boff and Truba and Sherrod on the back end. But mm-hmm. yeah, Max Domi's an interesting one. Like we don't know, you know, what the Jets' interest in Domi is, even though it makes a lot of sense for the connections and everything like the, the you know, familial connections and everything like that. So right. he's definitely a guy on the radar. Um, and again, you know, what do you giving up to get him. I don't think you're going to have to give up a first round pick to get him. No, I wouldn't expect that you would. I mean, I think there'll be a lot of interest in him, certainly, uh, which might drive up the asking price a little bit, but no, it wouldn't be a, I mean, if you're, I wouldn't trade a first round pick for Max Stoney, let me tell you that. And I don't think Kevin Shoveldayoff would either, but it would sort of be ironic if, you know, everyone, all the focus on Jonathan Taves coming home to Winnipeg. Well, Max Domi was born in Winnipeg too. So maybe we're looking at the wrong member of the Chicago Blackhawks that's going to come home to Winnipeg. $3 million in a pending UFA for those who, who don't know. I did a ca- quick cap friendly so you know that's a you know, why do we have a million dollars left on his contract or less than that and then you give up maybe a second round pick and a prospect or something like that so it's definitely you know a, a logical option for the jets uh, moving on, ask a legal curve anything for the next 16 minutes while we wrap up this morning's show uh, as he Spencer wants to know are you wearing pants? I am wearing pants I'm wearing black sweatpants right now. Okay, good to know. That's uh, that's definitely uh, appreciated, especially your mother-in-law called, and she says that she appreciates the fact that you're wearing pants while you're in her house. I like so that's, that's a hard-hitting question. That's, that's the kind of insight you've come to expect 
uh, you know, here on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Spencer wants to know if I'm weeding pants. Uh, Spencer, I don't know what that means, but I can assure you that I have not planted any pants and uh, thus I am not weeding any pants. So uh, thank you, Spencer, as per usual, for your insightful contributions to this morning's program. I guess we could also ask, is Spency wearing pants? Uh, we know the answer is probably no, is, is, is what I'm assuming, is that Spency is probably not wearing pants. Uh, Bailey's mom wants to know, what is your favorite kind of cookie? Ezzy. Uh, wow. You know what? It's actually something that you wouldn't maybe expect. I like peanut butter cookies. Chocolate chip are, are classic. I am an oatmeal raisin fan. I know some people don't yeah. like raisins and cookies. You can't just or... name every cookie that's ever been made. That, that's not, that's not well, how it's going to work. There's a reason why I'm 250 pounds, right? So um, I'm going to go peanut butter cookie, though, as my favorite cookie. Go. And I, I don't know. have them very often either. Well, you know, that's good. You know, that way you have it in moderation so that when you do have them, you can really appreciate it and savor it all the more. I just bought some Dream Puffs from uh, Superstore and my kids are loving them and I'm, okay. I'm loving them. So shout out to Raspberry Dream Puffs. Okay. I don't know what those are, but I'm sure that they are definitely Dream Puffs with the marshmallow and then you, you've seen those. I'm sure I have. I'm, you're, you're right. Uh, if you want to know my answer, shortbread. I love a good shortbread cookie. Really yeah, shortbread is nice. Yeah, Rich with butter is, is a good one. Uh, Prime Timer wants to know, who is your favorite player in the NHL right now, Ezra? Wow, that's a tough one. Whew. It's tough to pick one player. Like, I honestly don't, I, I don't really have one favorite player. Um <laughs> yeah, current player because we know all all time you'd you'd, you'd been mentioning some random devil oh, yeah, player like Danico, uh, Bobby Holik sure. or Ken Danico. Yeah, Scott Niedermeyer. My favorite yeah. player of all time, you know, is, is Scotty Stevens. Yes. Um, let me pause on that one. I really like watching Josh Morrissey. Like, I'll be honest, Morrissey's right up there. I mean, we're biased because you know we watch the Jets on a on a regular basis. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Josh Morrissey. Okay, well there you go. As he is going with the, trying to curry favor with the hometown crowd, uh, with the answer to that question. Morrissey's been great to watch this year, no question about it. Uh, there's Ezzy's answer right now. I mean, the obvious ones. I mean, Connor McDavid. I mean, I'm a Devils fan, so I could I could say Jack Hughes, right? There's a lot of guys, but you know, I I, I especially with the way he's playing this year, I got to go with my man Morrissey. Okay, there you go. As he's going with that one, uh, Kenny's water bottle wants to know what is my eyeglasses prescription. A very insightful question, Kenny. Uh, I can assure you. Let me put it to you this way: I've just taken off my glasses. I should actually do the show like this more often because I can't see Ezzy. I have terrible vision. My right eye is, I believe, minus eight and a quarter, and my left eye is minus nine. So uh, what, are you, what's, what are your eyes expected goals for my, my eyes expected goals for, if I'm not wearing my glasses, it would be negative, negative, negatives, you know, forever negative infinity. Cause I wouldn't be able to both see the puck or see the net or know that I was skating is also a factor. Like I know that there's a giant, I see banner behind me, but I can't actually see the eye or the C on the screen uh, without my glasses. That is, I am uh, definitely have poor vision, but thank you, uh, Kenny's water bottle. Can you I see what finger I'm giving you right now? Or you have your glasses the back glasses, on? Hang on. Yeah. If you, if you give me yeah, what finger, finger now, am I giving you, Drew? I can't see it. I, I, I mean, I can assume <laughs> I know what, 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 what it is. There's no finger. Act, well, then there you go. I ha actually don't have any idea. I cannot, uh, see anything at all. 
uh, that is how poor my vision is. But uh, there's a good uh, a good question there. Uh, Isha boy Bruce wants to know how I made all my millions. Uh, the answer, of course, is insider trading and not the uh, the TSN segment. Drew uh, was an intern of Bernie Madoff, so he he did quite well back in 2006 to 2008. That's right, exactly. I, I, you know, I may have crushed some uh, some poor innocent people, but I've done well for myself, and as a result, I can afford all the grid park parking lot uh, parking spots that I that I need uh, for upcoming uh, upcoming uh, Jets games. Uh, let's see any other good questions here on the Ask Legal Curve Anything segment uh, of the show. Uh, thank you, BD Longshot. He says he's been listening to us since we were on Wednesday nights. That's great. Right on. Uh, you know, we appreciate all that love. Uh, Kenny's water ball is saying that uh, his IQ has not improved listening to us over all these years. Uh, there's no question about that. Listening to us is uh, harmful uh, for your health. I like uh, that comment that you had in the uh, start in our in our private chat that we've got here from uh, Matt Moira, if I'm pronouncing that right. I've been listening since two, you got it there. I've been listening since 2011, 11, back when I lived in a dirt cheap apartment in the north and and couldn't afford cable, just had a radio to listen to Jets games. I love that. It's really cool. I got to say, like, you know, corniness aside, I've always loved when, you know, people tell us that they've been listening since back then, right? So it's, it's, it's a really cool thing. I got to be honest. There you go. Mark Sports Video. We know he's a, he got coaching experience. He wants to know if we have any coaching experience in any sport. Mark, I, I must say I did coach both my son and my daughter in house league soccer this past summer. That was quite the the, the feather in my cap. But who did you uh, coach against, though, Drew? I coached against none other than uh, Mr. Blake Wheeler of the Winnipeg Jets. His daughter I was coach, was playing in the same league. Uh, I can assure you that I'm not meant to be a coach in uh, soccer. I was a volunteer coach, and the emphasis is on the word volunteer and not on the word coach. Uh, I think the kids spent most of the time just trying to kick the ball at my head, uh, which was fun for them and, you know, a little bit of damaging uh, for yours truly. But as you coached hockey, did you not? Yeah, I coached hockey one year. That's going back, I, I think, right around when we started the hockey show, uh, 2009, 2010. I coached uh, Tuxedo Lightning U13A1. I coached soccer as well for a couple of years. I think it was uh, U15 soccer, River Heights Community Center, shout out. Um, also ref soccer. That was my, one of my first jobs, actually. I officiated soccer. I think I started when I was 12. So like 12 to 17, I was a, a soccer ref, but yeah, one year of hockey, uh, and a couple years of, uh, soccer, but we'll see. I mean, like you said, Drew, like my kids might need a coach at some point. So I'll have to dust off the old, uh, coaching one certification maybe, <laughs> but, uh, I've always wanted to coach baseball, to be honest with you. Uh, I only played baseball for a few years, but we'll see, uh, maybe if one of my kids, uh, plays baseball in the future, and I can maybe uh, teach them how to hit not very well. There you go. That's always a good I one. I did strike uh, out seven in one game, though. That's why they wow. called me the Sandy Koufax of River Heights. Yeah. 12 or 13 years old, um, playing baseball for River Heights, and I that was my kind of, you know, shining moment. I, I struck out seven um, and in relief, and then I really wasn't that good of a pitcher after that. But that one day, I felt like I was, uh, you know, Todd Stottlemyer. There you go. You're a machine on that one day. Lisa Danko wants to know if we ever played hockey. Yeah, we played hockey. I didn't play at a particularly high level. The highest level I played uh, was Varsity View A1 hockey. Um, but I did win the Maccabi Championship. I was the first overall pick in the Jewish B League. So that was probably my uh, peak of playing hockey. 
uh, used to play rec hockey as well. But Drew's going to show you a clip of himself playing hockey. I hope you guys can see this. This is going back to October 28th, 1988. Uh, as you can see, that's a, a wee lad, Mr. Look at, the, look at that edge work. It's, it really is fascinating edge work, isn't it? This is Wayne Gretzky's first game uh, back in Winnipeg after he was traded uh, to Los Angeles. Go, go back the, there, by the way. It's and, and by the way, your skating is like you're running on ice. It's hilarious. But did you snub <laughs> Benny there? Did I, I hang on? I'll I think Benny went to give you a high five, Drew. Just go back. I think you might have snubbed Benny. It's possible. I may not have known what I was doing. Yeah, uh, sort well, of. Yeah, I think them. that was a bit of a Benny snub. This is the community club showdown, which I was selected for. I hadn't been skating for very long at this point in time. You can't hear it on the video, but all you hear in the background is my father supporting his son by laughing uproariously at my at my misfortune or at my uh, skill set here. Uh, so I, I learned at a very early age that my hockey career was probably not going to go very far. Uh, I can't believe I'm actually showing this video, but uh, I, there you I like have the, it. I like the number four, classic number. It's a yeah. pretty good, pretty good shot there, actually, Drew. Well, like considering yeah. the circumstances, there's a lot of pressure <laughs> on you there. I didn't score. Is uh, the goalie? I don't think the goal, maybe the goalie had to make a save on the first one, but uh, I think the next two I may have missed, and I think I delayed the game by about a good five to ten minutes. It took me so long to uh, to get on. How many times have San ice. Aaron seen this clip? By the way, I'm going to guess like five hundred times. Probably not. I think they usually just ignore me and, and walk away from me whenever I try and show them this clip because I say to them, this is the, you have to be better than this. This is the goal in all these skating lessons and other, uh, you know, lessons that you're taking is be a little bit better than I was in that, in that video. I'm surprised that this doesn't just play on a loop at the Manitoba sports hall of fame. <laughs> I think they've been after it. They've been asking for the video, but they haven't been able to uh, uh, to quite get uh, quite get their hands on it. We haven't been able to reach a contractual agreement uh, uh, on that. But uh, there you have it. There's a little blast from the past, uh, going back to 1988. Uh, one of my uh, most indelible memories. You were 25 as a, as a at the time. That's right. I was 25. It was a very very small 25 uh, year old. But that is exactly uh, what uh, I was at trying to play. Hockey. Thank okay, what else do we have here? Ask I. This is ask I see anything. We got five minutes here before the show ends. Like this is your time to ask us, you know, very deep, intimate questions. Uh, let me see. I'm joking, by the way. Yeah, exactly. I'm trying to find. Oh, uh, trying to find. Uh, did either of us ever witness Remus win the home run derby? That the media home run derby during the. Uh, I think it was a Gold Eyes All Star game. If I, if I'm not mistaken, I didn't witness it. I remember here Remus told everybody about that's for sure. Yeah. He was talking about that. I think he made it. Uh, he put it on his Twitter bio for a while there. I did not see him win the home run derby, but I did see him win the rock climbing competition at the University of Winnipeg because back in the day uh, when I was a student there, I'm a proud proud U of Winnipeg grad. Um, and I remember Remus, I think, was in going to collegiate at the time. So he won the uh, U of W. If you were a U of W student or alumni, you know what I'm talking about here. They've got that big rock uh, that is just off of Portage Avenue or faces Portage Avenue. And Remus won the rock climbing competition. Uh, Andrew wants to know, he always pictures me as a hockey ref and as he as a linesman. Yes or no, I did ref hockey. That is an accurate statement, Andrew. Uh, I refereed hockey when I was a, a teenager. Uh, I, yeah, I don't really have very many memories of it uh, or anything that jumps out to me. But I think I remember former bomber Rick House 
was the coach in one of the games that I was refing. And let's just say that he was not the most appropriate in his behavior, uh, in his discussions with a probably 13 or 14 year old referee. That would be yours truly, but uh, I don't. Did you ever ref hockey as a? I didn't ref hockey. I mentioned earlier I, I ref soccer. Uh, I'm too short to be a linesman. I'm only you know just over five nine. So you got to be like I don't know at least six feet six one to be a linesman, right? I obviously don't think he's being too serious with that question. Uh, but if we could get some footage of Drew being yelled at by former bomber Rick House, that would be uh, pretty good footage that I would like to see. Uh, but yeah, no, no hockey refereeing for me. I mean, I do work at hockey Manitoba, so I do know some people I could easily yeah. become a ref, but, uh, we'll see if you I think at 40 years old, my de- best days are behind me. Do they still have some game sheets? Maybe they still have some game sheets, uh, <laughs> that you can, that you can pull out and see if they can uh, find my name on them, uh, going back uh, many a year ago. It would probably be 1993, 1994, somewhere Maybe maybe into ninety five. I don't really remember exactly, but uh, maybe there. Mark Sports Video wants to know how many commercials we've done. Uh, we've done a lot oh, of commercials whoa. on this show. Uh, I haven't been able to find it, but if I'm able to find it, maybe I'll show it. I also did a commercial, a television commercial for Sand Stores. If you remember Sand Stores, S A A N. I did a, a TV commercial for them when I was a, a wee lad and far cuter than I than I currently am. Yeah, no TV commercials for me. I thought he was asking about all the radio commercials we've done. <laughs> I think because if you go been. back to 2011 or 2010 when we were on Sports Radio 1290 and then TSN 1290, we've probably recorded, I don't know, 25, 30 commercials. I'm pretty sure we did yeah. 10 for Bernstein's alone with we're all, all the high holidays gold. and everything like that, right? But also Mark Sports Video asking if, if it's an electric or gas car. I'd love to drive an electric car. Um, if they come down in price a little bit, but uh, yeah, I'm still just driving the old putt putt. There you go. You, you, but you drive it well, as you haven't gone into an accident. Yeah. Nobody in, drives in, a in, Nissan Sentra like I do. No, it's true. You know, you can always spot Ezzy. And if you if you ever see a Nissan Sentra, you'll know it's Ezzy's if you see the license plate. The license plate is a is a key yeah. giveaway. Rep it, rep in the legal curve. I couldn't fit it all, so it's uh, yeah, I L G L C R V. That's me. If you see me on the streets, just yeah, picture me rolling. <laughs> in your Nissan Sentra with two car seats in the back, like all the cool kids do. Uh, that's it. That's it. That's a Ask a Legal Curve. Anything we do this every now and then on this program, we figure this would be a fun week to do it. With Jeff O'Neill, little... by the way, couldn't join us. He was originally supposed to join us, but he had yeah. to drive uh, one of his children to hockey practice. So he texted me this morning around, I think it was 8.30. So it was a little bit of a late bail from the O-Dog. But hopefully we'll be able to get them on next week or, you know, some other time throughout the season. But that's why we were going to have uh, the O-Dog on. But, uh, again, we've had him on many times before. And, unfortunately, he had to bail last minute. So still had a great show, but uh, just wanted to get that in there. Exactly right. And we'll have uh, – we thought it would be a fun way to do this as well, given uh, the lack of hockey content, not a lot going on this week, of course, with it being the all-star break or the bye week or whatever the hell – delay is whatever the hell the reason is there haven't been games for the basically the last 12 or so days the jets are back on the ice on thursday i believe though thursday afternoon yeah two o'clock thursday afternoon exactly right uh uh two o'clock on thursday afternoon is when the jets will be back on the ice we want to say a big thank you to all the sponsors of this show of the post game show and of the website for their continued support our friends rumors restaurant and comedy club linden market dental center zapia group Realty Betway, Tough Duck, Boston Pizza, Seagram's, Rolly's Transfer, 
Grid Park and the keg support these fine businesses because of their continued support of illegal curve hockey. It's your boy Bruce. Yes, I wear pink all the time and I'm not being sarcastic at all. It is absolutely one of the staples of my wardrobe. Yeah, uh, pink's a although- great color. It is a great color, and Josh Morrissey's pink suit was probably the best part of All-Star Weekend because he that was a sharp-looking suit that I definitely would like to uh, wear as well, but I don't think I would be able to fit it uh, given the bit of a size discrepancy between me and Josh. Thanks to everyone for joining us. Thanks to Mike McIntyre for joining us in our number one as well. In case you missed any of the show, there's an immediate replay on YouTube, and of course the podcast will be available soon thereafter. If you haven't already done so, smash the like button subscribe to the podcast subscribe to the youtube channel and leave us feedback here there and everywhere we always appreciate the support illegalcurve.com is updated as needed with all your latest winnipeg jets news and audio and moose news and ice news and everything else under those uh dave just uh, has to step away from the craps table and then he's going to update the website exactly as soon as dave is away from the crowd as soon as we drag him away from the craps table uh he'll get that all updated ezra ginsburg is on the right of your screen i'm your host drew mandel on the left it's been a great 14 years to do another 14 years coming up uh over the next little while we thank everyone for their support have a great saturday everyone if it's saturday it's the illegal curve hockey show live on youtube and all of our social media platforms thanks for listening to this broadcast from illegal curve hockey for more great illegal curve content subscribe to the illegal curve youtube channel Follow at Illegal Curve on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit your online home for hockey in Winnipeg, IllegalCurve.com.